innovation, money, and power collide. In Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, White House officials in early discussions about President Biden taking a trip to Europe as Russia's assault on Ukraine only escalates. The U.S. now calling on China to put pressure on Putin to end the war. This is Instagram goes dark across Russia. The Russian government has now cut off access to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll examine how the digital iron curtain is impacting everyday Russians. And China dealing with a crisis of its own. Hong Kong facing the worst COVID outbreak since the pandemic began. China the worst since Wuhan in 2020. Why the technology behind the vaccine most widely used in China may be failing. We'll get to that in a moment, but first, yet another volatile day in the markets. Despite a morning rally, stocks falling after a new round of talks between Russia and Ukraine broke down. Let's bring in Bloomberg Shanali Basik with the very latest. Shanali, another volatile day. Another volatile day, and mostly on the downside. You saw risk really taken off the table in most major asset classes. If you take a look here, the S&P 500 really did see a little bit of a decline, less than 1%. The Nasdaq, an even steeper decline, about 2%. The 10-year yield, yields up prices down. The yield had risen above 2% yet again. As the curve flattened, that's another big indicator that people are really worried there about the future. The Bloomberg Commodity Index, as people really worry about supply chains, also down more than 2%. Among one of the most drastic declines here, I do want to show you, Emily, the NASDAQ Golden Dragon China Index, because you see everything from Alibaba, JD.com to Baidu really falling here. The whole index off more than 70% since that peak you see over there in 2021, you had first investors really worried about a crackdown in technology, then worries about delisting, and now investors really worried about that relationship between Beijing and Russia. So as investors factor that all in, we are seeing an even steeper sell-off, almost 12% down just today alone. All right, Shanali, thanks for that. I want to continue our coverage on the latest in Ukraine now and bring in Bloomberg's Nick Wadhams. He is our senior foreign policy reporter with us from Washington. Nick, I want to start on the latest on this trip. President Biden may be taking to Europe. What's the latest that we're hearing from White House officials about whether this will happen? Well, I think what you're going to see is the president feels that it is time uh, for him to essentially get out there and uh, make those connections with foreign leaders and uh, put new pressure on Vladimir Putin. I mean, a huge element of President Biden's approach to the Ukraine crisis has essentially been to project unity with European allies. You now have this news uh, that China is drifting closer and closer to Russia. So what President Biden really wants to show is that the U.S., along with the U.K., with France, with Germany, we haven't gotten the list of the countries where he would go, but those countries, as well as the Baltic states that are feeling anxious that Russia may not stop at Ukraine. He really wants to show that the U.S. has their backs and will do everything it can uh, to support the NATO alliance should things even get worse uh, beyond Ukraine. At this point, what is the status of getting China more involved here and uh, President Xi's willingness to put more pressure on Vladimir Putin? Well, it, it all seems to be going uh, in the wrong direction in a lot of ways. We were told today 
that essentially China has agreed to offer some form of uh, military and economic support to Russia. At least that's the assessment of U.S. officials. And they are letting, uh, letting allies in Europe know that this could be a problem and try to put more pressure on China. So the administration had really hoped that China could be a counterbalance. It could potentially open the door, put pressure on Vladimir Putin to negotiate. If China's doing that, it's doing it very much behind the scenes. But right now, publicly at least, China is firmly in Russia's corner. Meantime, you have Russia continuing to cut off access to social media across the country. Instagram, just the latest platform to go dark. We're preparing to hear from Ukrainian President Zelensky, who will be speaking before U.S. Congress as talks between Russia and Ukraine just seem to sputter today. You know, any sign of progress? I mean, when do we expect a new round of talks to begin? Well, I, I think what you'll see is there will be more talks, but whether or not they achieve anything is going to be the real conundrum. And, you know, that's in part why Vladimir Zelensky is going to Congress. Congress has been a great ally of the Ukrainian president. They've put a ton of pressure on the Biden administration to move more quickly on tougher sanctions. And, you know, the big thing that Ukraine wants is more military aid. They've been pushing for that no-fly zone, despite the fact that the administration says that doing that would put them essentially into direct confrontation with Russia. Uh, but he really wants to put more pressure on Congress so that Congress in turn, including Democrats, I mean, this is a bipartisan thing, will put more pressure on Joe Biden, not only to ratchet up sanctions, to, but potentially give Ukraine more military and other aid. All right, Bloomberg's Nick Wadhams for us in Washington. So much to continue to follow. Thank you for all of those updates. Coming up, Russia banning Instagram, the digital iron curtain dropping farther across the country. What it means for Facebook, Meta, and citizens across Russia, next. And speaking of Meta, we're going to hear from Nintendo veteran Reggie fils one of the most widely followed gaming executives. He's not a fan of Mark Zuckerberg's vision for the metaverse and goes so far as to say Facebook is not innovating. My conversation with him from the South by Southwest Festival after the break. This is Bloomberg. Russia's promise ban on Instagram has now kicked into full effect with a social media platform inaccessible for the vast majority of the country's population. I want to bring in Bloomberg's Kurt Wagner now for more on this. Kurt, you know, what does this exactly mean for everyday Russians, given that Facebook and Twitter have already been cut off? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're moving towards a relatively dangerous uh, spot here, right, where suddenly... Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, these are services that uh, were really connective tissues between the Russian people and obviously the rest of the world. In a crisis like this, it's, it's where a lot of people could get information and news that wasn't directly kind of approved by Russian state-backed media. And so, uh, you know, you look at what's happening now and you wonder, are we ever going to get back to this, right? Mm -hmm. Is this maybe the, the beginning of, of Russia is kind of looking a little bit more like China? Um, with a with a closed version of the internet, and I don't know uh, what happens after this, but obviously it's a it's a pretty significant deal. 
Um, Russia is a lot smaller than China from a from a total population and user perspective, but it's a really big deal just symbolically of what this means and, and what this might look like uh, moving forward. Absolutely. China blocking Facebook and Twitter around the Beijing Olympics in 2008 and never unblocking it. Right. So you wonder if that's what's going to happen here. I'm curious, in Russia, how widespread are the use of VPNs and other means to get around the firewall? Is that common? Well, it's the kind of thing that companies are trying to make uh, accessible, right? I think we saw last week that Twitter, for example, uh, created a version of, of its website for the Tor browser um, so that if anyone wanted to kind of get around this, this ban, um, they might be able to. They might be able to kind of uh, use the, the quote-unquote dark web to, to access these services. But, Emily, that's not the kind of thing that's necessarily accessible to the vast majority of people, right? That's for people who are pretty tech-savvy. That's for people who are really going above and beyond to try and figure out how to still keep these services in their life. The vast majority of people, you know, unless they can simply get it on their phone, it means they're not going to have access to it. And so I think that this is is something that, uh, to your point, like, are we seeing the beginning of, of, of a major change here that might uh, not be rolled back? And, and I think the answer might be yes. We're also seeing some major changes from the platforms themselves. Facebook, for example, relaxing the rules to allow Ukrainians to talk about violence in the context of, of Russia's war on Ukraine. And that's really what uh, seemed to trigger the Russian government. Instagram was a place a lot of people had turned to to protest the war in Russia. Where will these Russian citizens go to next? What social media outlets are available to them? Well, the one service that continually keeps getting brought up is Telegram. Now, I don't know if that's the kind of place where people will be able to organize in, in the same way or to promote things publicly in the same way. Um, you know, it is a, it's a private messaging app, obviously similar to WhatsApp, Telegram. There are, there are groups, there are ways to broadcast that way, but it's just, it has a different vibe, Emily, as you know. And so I, I think, you know, you talked about what the platforms are doing. I mean, the Instagram thing in particular, um, was announced by Russian regulators after Facebook came out and said, hey, Ukrainians are able to call for violence against Russian soldiers. And they said, you know, this is, this is a company basically allowing, uh, you know, people to attack our citizens. That's what the Russian regulators are saying. And, and again, um, I think that it just has kind of snowballed here, the relationship between Meta and, and Russia and the Russian uh, uh, leaders. And I just don't really know where we go from here. What does this mean for Meta and Twitter, you know, two companies that obviously their growth depends on new users and new ad revenue? So uh, Meta said something interesting at the end of last week. Not a lot of people saw it because it was at one of those private uh, banking conferences. But their CFO said that the um, ad revenue that they get either from Russian businesses or that's uh, targeted at Russian users is 1.5% of their total advertising revenue. So while obviously that's not nothing, it's not insignificant, it's also not a massive business for, for Meta. And I bring that up because when you look into the future and you say, well, is this the kind of thing where Meta is going to bend over backwards to try and get back into Russia? I don't know if they're going to be willing to do that for such a small portion of their business, right? They don't have the financial incentives necessarily to make concessions in the way that they might in other parts of the world. And so um, that to me is one of the many reasons why I find this this kind of uh, you know digital iron curtain you were talking about interesting because I don't know if there's enough people in Russia for these companies to feel like they can compromise on some of the other parts of their policy uh, that they've so far um, stood, st stood firm uh, in, a, in support of. 
Meantime, Mark Zuckerberg making a surprise appearance at South by Southwest right. later this week. My guess, obviously, all of these topics are going to be on the agenda, but of course, the metaverse and his vision for the future. What do you make of Zuckerberg, who really hasn't been doing a lot of press, getting out front? Yeah, I, th I think uh, I heard this was his first time at South by since something like 2010 or, or something like that. It's certainly been a very long time since he'd appeared at this particular conference and, and really a conference like this. Now he's doing it with sort of a familiar interviewer, uh, uh, not someone who's you know necessarily in the news industry who's gonna sit there and grill him about all of the stuff that we were just talking about. So I do wonder how substantive the interview will be in terms of news about policy and, and world happenings. But for him, it's a way to talk about the metaverse, right? To get out in front of a crowd that has always been very interested in, in the new upcoming technology and to pitch kind of his vision for for what he wants Meta to build. So I don't know if we're going to be fulfilled as as you know a hard hitting news journalist from this interview. But I think for him, it's a chance to again reach people who care about the future of tech with his vision for the future of tech. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get some probing questions there and maybe some reaction to what my next yeah. guest has to say. Uh, Kurt Wagner, who covers Meta and Twitter for us. Thank you. Uh, sticking with Meta and its biggest bet on the future, the metaverse. I spoke with former Nintendo America president and COO Reggie fils at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin over the weekend. And I asked him what he thought about Mike's Mark Zuckerberg's vision for the evolution of virtual reality. Take a listen to what he had to say. I'm not a buyer of that idea. I don't think that their current definition is going to be successful. Why not? Why, why do I say that? I say that because first, you know, and I don't know if anyone from Facebook is here, but you, you, you have to admit that Facebook itself is not an innovative company. Wow. They're not. I mean, you, you look at, I mean, you, you look, you, they have either acquired really interesting things like Oculus, like Instagram, or they've been a fast follower of other people's ideas. That's Facebook. So I, inherently, they are not an innovative company other than the very original social platform that was created many years ago. So what do you think Mark Zuckerberg is getting wrong here? Well, I, I believe that in order to be innovative, you really need to be thinking about the consumer first, and I don't think they do. <laughs> I think you need to be looking at- What do they think about first? Uh, well, I think they think about advertising revenue first because that's 98% of their revenue. I mean, that's, that's the fact. Um, but I, you, you have to think about your consumer. You have to think about your customer. You need to think about bringing new and different ideas into the marketplace. You need to reward that within your culture. You know, these are the things that drive innovation. Uh, you need to have a culture of innovation. Anything that you do within an innovative company whether you're in accounting, whether you're in uh, product development, whether you're in marketing, you need to be challenging yourself to be doing things differently versus doing the same old, same old, or copying someone else's idea. So, you know, that's why I look at the vision that's been to date articulated, and I'm not a believer. The other thing I would say about 
Facebook is they don't have a great history with physical products, mm -hmm. right? Portal, you know, not a big idea. Um, they, Oculus. Uh, uh, they bought Oculus, mm -hmm. and you know they've been working on it for a number of years. Last number I saw was that in total, and not just Oculus, in total, about 20 million VR devices have been sold. 20 million. You know, when I was running Nintendo, that was a good year, one year in terms of hardware. Hoping we're going to hear Mark Zuckerberg respond to that conversation when he speaks at South by Southwest. Now, my convo with Reggie Fiza may later turn to GameStop. Fiza may joined the GameStop board in April 2020, just months before the state of its roller coaster, start of its roller coaster meme stock ride that saw the stock go from just a few dollars a share to over 500. Fiza may left the board after less than a year, saying he was unhappy with the strategy of chairman of the board, Ryan Cohen. Take a listen. I asked to be part of the team to develop the strategy. Mm -hmm. I knew the business. Uh, I knew it as a consumer. I knew it as a vendor. Uh, I, I had pretty strong opinions on how the business needed to be uh, pivoted. Uh, but I was rebuffed, mm -hmm. right? The, 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 the perspective was, Reggie, we want to keep the team small. Um, and so it's going to be you know, myself and a few of the people that I brought on board who, you know, by the way, don't know this business, uh, don't understand the players, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I took that as code as, you know, thank you, but we really don't want any other ideas. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and for me, that was, uh, that was not acceptable. So what do you think of the strategy now? That well, there, there, isn't, there has not been an articulated strategy. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you could go on the GameStop website, try and find a strategy, there is no articulated strategy. Mm. Leadership says, well, we don't want to articulate our strategy because we don't want anyone to steal our strategy. You know, so I, I, I come from the business perspective that you need to articulate your strategy to all of your key constituents. You need to communicate to your business partners, your vendors, your employees, your shareholders. You need to communicate your strategy. Former Nintendo America president and COO Reggie Fiza May there at South by Southwest in Austin. Coming up, Disney CEO Bob Chapek breaking his silence on the controversial Florida school bill. We'll discuss how it's impacting employees across Disney, Pixar, and more and what it means for JPEG ahead. This is Bloomberg. Just two years into his role as Disney CEO, Bob Chapek under scrutiny following his response to a controversial Florida school bill. For more, I want to bring in Bloomberg's Chris Palmieri, who covers Disney for us. So, Chris, set the stage. What is this Florida school bill and why is it so uh, controversial what Bob Chapek didn't and now does have to say about it? Well, the bill, uh, which was passed by both houses in Florida, would prohibit uh, schools from discussing uh, sexual orientation or gender identity in kindergarten through third grade. 
this was uh, designed for parents to be able to control the discussion of these issues uh, with their younger kids. Uh, a lot of people in the gay community obviously don't like it. It's been called Don't Say Gay. Uh, they feel uh, like uh, this this is really stifling uh, kids who, who may be just trying to discover uh, what, where they're going in life. And so um, JPEG is trying to more broadly sort of uh, keep Disney out of these political topics. He, he tried to sort of like work behind the scenes on this issue, but not take a public stance uh, and said that's uh, what he wanted to do going forward. Uh, the, the rank and file at Disney revolted essentially uh, openly uh, on uh, social media employees saying they disagree with this policy, a letter from Pixar employees, animators, uh, union sent out statements. Uh, and so uh, JPEG reversed position a couple of days later on Wednesday of last week saying, you know, we, we are openly opposed to this bill. Uh, and then a couple of days later, even took it further and sort of publicly apologized to all his employees. A lot of employees were not happy. And you also had leadership within Disney, for example, at Pixar, releasing their own statements. You've got Bob Iger, the former CEO of Disney, also speaking out about this. What do you make of the pushback from other executives? Well, this is this is part of a sort of a broader issue that JPEG has found where he doesn't have the same support from the creative community at the company that his predecessor, Bob Iger, did. Uh, and um, and so, you know, he's made some decisions that are very unpopular. For example, he's relocating a lot of employees to Florida, uh, you know, that work in theme park design and that from California. They're not happy about being told they have to move. And uh, and so we have weird situations now where Florida Governor DeSantis just slammed Disney last week saying, you know, they don't care about human rights in China. And then uh, Governor Gavin Newsom here in California saying, oh, why are you moving your people to California? So as, as Chapek predicted in a way, by taking these political stands, he's opening the company up to firing uh, fire you know, people attacking them from both sides, it turns okay. out. This, of course, as Disney shares themselves have been struggling, Chris Palmieri, who covers Disney for us, will continue to follow here. Meantime, struggling car maker, electric car maker Rivian has hired a new COO from Magna, one of the world's biggest automotive suppliers. Frank Klein will take the role on June 1st, Rivian announced Monday, confirming an earlier Bloomberg scoop. Klein led Magna's car making unit before that at Mercedes parent company at Daimler. 25 years. Rivian stock has been crushed in recent days after the company's forecast building just 25,000 EVs this year, about half what its factory in Illinois is capable of due to a shortage of parts and trouble with production. Rivian's former COO, Rod Corpus, resigned end of last year. Coming up, the pandemic far from over. China facing its worst outbreak since the early days as lockdowns are now being put in place to stop the spread, how that'll impact the supply chain coming up. Also, Discovery shareholders approving its merger with CNN parent company Warner Media. Discovery naming Chris Licht incoming president as the network prepares to launch its new streaming service, CNN Plus. We'll have my conversation with CNN Executive Vice President Andrew Morse from South by Southwest later this hour. This is Bloomberg.
Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. The Chinese city of Shenzhen, home to 17 and a half million people, is locked down as COVID cases have doubled to roughly 3,400. This as China faces its biggest COVID outbreak since Wuhan in early 2020. Foxconn, Apple's biggest supplier, is now halting operations in Shenzhen, and this could have massive global implications. Our Mark Gurman joining us now with more. Mark, give us a status update on what's happening at Foxconn and what the impacts of this more broadly will be. So as of now, the office, the main headquarters for Foxconn in Shenzhen, uh, as well as their iPhone factory uh, within Shenzhen, those are both closed right now. Now, Foxconn isn't saying when they're going to be reopening. It is indefinite for now. But the order for closures for factories in other places is in effect uh, in that area until March 20th. So it's possible it'll open around then or after then. But we know the fluidity of COVID and how these things can go on for longer. And, and that's the real fear here, right? As of now, a week of one iPhone factory being shut down is not going to have much of an impact. This is a slow season for Apple, right? They did just release new products, but they really need the factories running at full steam for the fall and late in the summer for the iPhone 14, new iPads in the fall, augmented reality headsets early next year. That's when it would be danger territory. But right now, I think they're going to be okay, given that their main iPhone plants called iPhone City uh, is in another region of China, you know, many, many miles away from here. But we don't Except know what China is going to do and expand it. Exactly. The pandemic is, is, I mean, China is hitting a new peak in COVID cases. This is not just happening in Shenzhen. What is Apple doing or what can Apple do to mitigate this, given that there are already global supply chain issues that have now been reverberating for two years? Yeah, it's very much whack-a-mole, right? Foxconn has many factories across China where they produce the iPhone and other Apple products, right? So as, you know, limitations go up in some factories, right, they'll have to reallocate that to other factories. And as other factories reopen, they'll have to move production back. So I'm sure that's what they're, you know, on the scene in China figuring out right now, right? I think they want to see how bad this becomes. Obviously, we're in a very different place today than we were basically exactly two years ago now with vaccines and masking and people used to these protocols. So my hope, right, not only for, you know, Apple and China, but for globally that this gets resolved, you know, pretty quickly and Foxconn is able to work through it at a faster pace than they were able to two years ago. If you remember, however, even at the height of the COVID pandemic, Apple really and Foxconn, they were able to figure it out. In the middle of everything, Apple was still able to ship the iPhone 12 in November of 2020, right? That was a two month delay for their flagship product in the middle of COVID pre-vaccines, right at the, at the height of things, right? So if they were able to figure it out then with only two month delays, I'm quite optimistic they'll be able to figure it out with you know more vaccines and masking regulations and such at a slower period for the company. All right, Mark Gurman, we'll continue to watch your reporting on this. Thank you. I want to stay on the topic of COVID and the resurgence we're seeing across China and in Hong Kong and bring in Ali Ehrman. She's a genomics analyst with ARK Invest. You know, Ali, we are seeing the spike in Hong Kong and China as the World Health Organization has been considering declaring an end to the pandemic. Does this signal to you that it could get worse or maybe a lot worse before it gets better? 
Thanks, Emily, for having me. It's nice to see you again. You know, I, I think obviously we've had these spikes before. We've seen, you know, multiple mutations arising from COVID-19, and this continues to be an ongoing issue that we're monitoring here at ARC. Uh, one of the things that we're thinking about is disruptive technologies that are in our portfolios that could potentially help the crisis. So, you know, one such technology is CRISPR, which is essentially working to look at um, different cases and potentially being a diagnostic tool, but it's also used as a therapeutic tool as well. Now, China has had a zero COVID policy shutting down versus vaccinating on a broad scale. They've been using the Sinovac vaccine when they do vaccinate, but that's a vaccine that doesn't use mRNA technology and appears to be not as effective. Are we seeing that vaccine and that technology breaking down? It's possible at ARC, we've been very focused on the mRNA technology. And so we know that we've seen pretty great um, results from it from the US um, and also from Israel where we've gotten a substantial amount of data. And so, you know, this mRNA technology is a novel technology. It hasn't been used prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, you know, we're following very closely what the companies are doing and how they're utilizing that technology, including, you know, Moderna, but also Arcturus Therapeutics um, and several other companies that really are focusing, you know, of course we can talk about Pfizer and the partnerships that they've started there, but also just the, the amount of sheer data that we're going to get from mRNA and be able to compare that to the adenovirus vaccines as well. How has the pace of innovation in mRNA and biotechnology accelerated during the pandemic, given the role we've seen it play in vaccinations, along with CRISPR, as you mentioned? Yeah, so the pace of innovations, Emily, is really interesting because we're seeing that, you know, I think CRISPR is, is an excellent example, as you mentioned, right? So we're seeing these amazing examples. So prior to CRISPR, you know, zinc finger nucleases, another gene editing form, also talons were in existence. And essentially those took a really long time to move from discovery to the first human dose. So that happened for zinc fingers in roughly eight years, whereas CRISPR took less than half that time. They were about three years. They also can target many any more unknown diseases. And so what we're seeing is there's a proliferation in terms of the pace of innovation. An example for that could be CRISPR therapeutics. They're working on creating potentially functional cures for diseases like sickle cell and beta thalassemia. They've treated about 70 patients along with their partner Vertex, both companies within our genomic strategy. And we're seeing the data looks like it could potentially really be a functional cure. And so the pace of innovation, but also what's happening within innovation is really exciting right now. Meantime, there's a controversy evolving in the gene editing world, which I know that you are following closely, where Nobel Prize winner Jennifer Doudna, who's made important discoveries in mRNA technology and been recognized for her work on CRISPR, um, has lost a patent dispute surrounding the discovery of her and her team around a specific part of CRISPR technology. What does this mean and, and how significant is this? 
That's right, Emily. You know, first of all, I think it's great we're talking about this because it demonstrates a commitment from the scientists across the board. Um, it's also quite a complicated topic. So I think it's great to delve in a little bit here. So first of all, what is CRISPR? Maybe we can back up a little bit on that. So CRISPR is a precise tool that is used for gene editing. Um, we believe in it. We've been investing in it for years. We think it's an incredibly innovative tool um, and it's revolutionizing the way we think about treatments, but also potential cures. Just a little bit of background here, it's essentially from a family of DNA sequences, and it was found to affect the genomes of bacteria, and it's now potentially using and in trials to be used for correcting genes in humans. So about the patent dispute, as you mentioned. So really quick background here, you, you know, you covered some of this really helpful. In 2012, Jennifer Doudna and Emmanuel Charpentier, they wrote a paper and it detailed the CRISPR system but they didn't show that it worked in eukaryotic cells. And essentially, Emily, a eukaryotic cell is a cell that has a nuclease. So that could be um, a plant, and it's also certainly a human. Fang Zhang at Harvard Broad was the first one to do this. Um, so there's essentially two sides, Jennifer Downer and Emmanuel Charpentier on one side, that houses that IP from CBC, which is the University of Vienna, also UC Berkeley for both of them. Other side, Fang Zhang, Harvard, and the Broad. So in 2020, as you mentioned, Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Doudna actually won the Nobel Prize in chemistry for their discovery of CRISPR-Cas9. But right. as you mentioned, this past week, we saw that the USPTO or US Patent and Trademark Office did not um, follow suit. So um, what does this mean? Getting to the point here, um, this doesn't stop any ongoing trials. Um, so all clinical trials will continue. It doesn't affect IP outside of the U.S. The most likely outcome that ARC sees is through some form of cross-licensing among the companies. And in terms of sort of the specifics for companies, so Editas, Verve, and Beam get their IP through Editas or the Broad Harvard, and then CRISPR and Intellia through CBC, so through uh, Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Doudna. Interesting. A, co a controversy we're going to continue to follow. Jennifer Doudna has been a guest on this show several yeah. times. Ali Ehrman, genomics analyst with ARC Invest. Thank you for sharing that background with us. Coming up, Ripple calls it a victory. We're gonna have more on Ripple's long legal battle with the SEC over alleged illegal sales of its XRP token. What that means for the broader crypto industry next. This is Bloomberg. Time now for our crypto report of the day, and I want to focus on Ripple. After the SEC alleged that the currency exchange platform had engaged in the unlawful offer and sales of securities, its XRP token, Ripple countered, saying they had not had reasonable fair notice from the SEC about whether its sales of XRP were indeed illegal, a defense that the court upheld last week. I want to dig into this with our crypto contributor, Shanali Basik. Shanali, talk to us about how the markets reacted to this news, obviously a volatile market and a volatile market for Bitcoin as well. Yeah, even though we see Ripple down a little bit today, it did really rise after this news. And over the seven-day period, actually, Emily, if you take a look, you do see Ripple rising to the point that it's rising almost twice as much as you see in Bitcoin over that period and almost three times as you're seeing in Ethereum. So, yes, very good news in 
terms of Ripple and its SEC defense. But there are a lot of questions remaining for the market, not just for Ripple, but the crypto industry here at large. And that question is, as Bloomberg Intelligence calls it, a factual one. Will it cause more issuers to register with the SEC? And what type of regulatory overhang does it leave for the market, even after the Biden executive order that created some clarity for the market? All right, Shanali, stick with us. We're going to get deeper into this conversation with Ripple CEO himself, Brad Garlinghouse. Brad, good to have you back here on the show. You called this a victory in your battle against the SEC. What does it mean for you and also the broader crypto industry? I, I do think I'll start there, really. I think it is a victory not just for Ripple, the company, but also the whole crypto industry, because the SEC, I think, has consistently tried to take point and really take expand their reach and their control over the crypto industry. We've seen that not just with Ripple, but in other cases. And to, to have the executive order, as Shanali was talking about, the executive order came out and really said to all agencies, hey, we need to be coordinated. If we want the United States to be competitive in this key technology platform, we need to not have one group behaving one way and another group behaving another way. So we're really pleased by not just the court's decision, but also in the executive order that came out last week. What do you make of the very prominent role that crypto is playing in the war on Ukraine and also concerns about how cryptocurrency could be used, for example, as a tool to circumvent sanctions by Russians? You know, Emily, I, I think this is a bit of a red herring, meaning that it, there's a lot of attention around it as like, what does this mean? But the, pra the practicality of using it to circumvent sanctions, I think, is is really difficult. Uh, and the reality is that if you just take the basic math, before the invasion of Ukraine, there's about $50 billion a day of Russian ruble cross-border FX trades. There's just not enough liquidity in the crypto market to really put much of a dent in that. Moreover, you know, the point at which sanctions are applied is at the endpoint. So through you know, exchanges, a, a Bitstamp or a Binance, and it, you know, I think you've seen globally that the major exchanges around the world say, hey, we're going to we're going to acknowledge and force and respect those sanctions. And so I think that the idea that crypto is being used at any scale to circumvent sanctions is uh, not not a really it's not it doesn't really understand how some of this stuff works. On one hand, you do have plenty of exchanges that seem to be working with the Biden administration to uh, kind of figure out what's going on under the surface in the market. But on the other hand, when it comes to the SEC, it seems like they've been at the crosshairs of a number of different firms. Do you think the SEC is taking a tougher stance than the administration at large? And do you think that will hinder at all some of the progress that some firms are making? Look, I think there's no question that the United States Security and Exchange Commission has reduced the competitiveness of this critical industry in the United States. I think they've been out of step, not just with other parts of the U.S. government, but they've been others out of step with other major economies around the world. The only country in the world that considers XRP, the digital asset that Ripple uses in our technology stack, the only country in the world that thinks XRP could be a security is the United States. We work successfully in the UK, in Switzerland, in Japan, in the UAE, in Singapore. All of these countries have acknowledged XRP as a currency because that's how it's used. So I think the way the US, if we want the US to be a leader in this new, growing, critical, innovative industry like the internet 20 years ago, we need that regulatory clarity. And the SEC is really just coming out and saying that we're going to file lawsuits, enforcement. We're not going to provide clear rules so that people know how to operate as other countries have done.
All right, Brad Garlinghouse, CEO of Ripple. Brad, always good to have you with us. And Arshanali Basik, thanks. We'll continue to follow uh, your situation with the SEC. Coming up, the path to profitability for CNN Plus. We're going to hear from the head of the new media venture, Andrew Morse, next. This is Bloomberg. CNN is preparing to launch its most ambitious effort yet, a new streaming service, CNN Plus. Why will consumers buy in when there's a sea of other streaming options? Here's what Andrew Moore, CNN executive vice president, who's leading the streaming effort, had to say. I think at our heart, we have always been about the news. And I think every news organization um, you know, in the United States tends to do a bit of a rethink every political cycle. That's mm -hmm. natural um, because politics becomes such an important coverage area for everybody. So I don't think that's unusual uh, for any news organization to think about, okay, uh, what's next? And especially now, by the way, at a time when the entire industry is moving quickly, at a time when the entire industry is being disruptive, I think it's logical. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding Jeff Zucker's abrupt departure not long after Chris Cuomo's exit tied in part to Chris interviewing his brother, the governor of New York, on air. You've seen all the criticism. What's your view on what happened? It's a good question, Emily. <laughs> um, what is my view? Look, when, when I heard about Jeff's resignation, um, I was shocked. We were all shocked. Um, it was a very hard day for CNN. Um, you know, Jeff resigned, and, and in his resignation, Jeff said that he was resigning because he did not disclose um, a relationship that he had with a colleague. And that was his departure was very hard on the whole organization. Mm -hmm. And um, we've all been doing our best to lead through you know, a pretty difficult period with Jeff's departure. Some of CNN's own stars have pushed back on the way this was handled. Dana Bash said at an internal meeting reportedly that the punishment didn't fit the crime. Did you think the punishment fit the crime? You know, I think the rules apply to everybody. And the fact is, you know, the three red and white letters of CNN matter a lot. And they're bigger than any of us. Meantime, shareholders have given Discovery's merger with HBO and CNN parent Warner Media the green light. Discovery CEO David Zaslov naming Chris Licht president of CNN at the South by Southwest Festival. I spoke with Andrew Morse more in depth about the future of CNN Plus, the network's new streaming service and its most ambitious effort since the network's launch. Take a listen. The beauty of a subscription service is if you create something of value, people will pay. You walk into a supermarket, you walk into a mall, you walk into a shop, you go online. If there's something of value, you'll pay. And when you think about what CNN does, you think about the coverage that we have in the Ukraine, you think about the depth of knowledge that Sanjay Gupta has and the role that he's played in this country in terms of informing, you know, informing people about COVID in the last year, we are so confident that we're building something of such value mm -hmm. that, that people are going to be willing to give, a, you know, give up one cup of coffee a month to pay for this service. Just in time for your appearance here today, shareholders approved the merger of Discovery and Warner Media. CNN has a new president, Chris Licht, has been named. Um, 
helped conceive Morning Joe, produce The Colbert Show, revamp CBS. Have you met with Chris Licht? And what has he told you he wants to see from CNN Plus? So we haven't been able to talk to him yet. And in fact, even though the Discovery shareholders have, have voted, uh, we're in a quiet period. So we actually haven't been able to formally meet with Discovery about our business plans for a while. But look, I've gotten to know Chris over the years. He is, what I do know of him, he's an incredibly creative uh, producer. He's a great journalist. Uh, he's somebody who really knows what an organization like CNN needs to be successful. What's the budget for CNN Plus? How much have you spent so far? It is by um, orders of magnitude larger than anything CNN has taken on really since the network was founded. It's a, it's a very serious undertaking and it requires significant investment. But the reason for the significant investment is it's tied to a very aggressive and ambitious business plan. We feel very, very confident that we're going to be able to grow a very substantial subscriber base pretty quickly. And so we've been able to put together a business plan uh, and an investment case that gets us to a place where we think we can build a very healthy business. Given all the numbers you've run, the research you've done, when then do you expect this bet to pay off? Well, we think it can become profitable within within a few years. Mm -hmm. um, again, it, it, it all, it's the beauty of a subscription business, mm -hmm. and I come back to that every time. You know, it's, it's what makes it different from uh, cable television. It's, it's what makes it different from advertising. If you build something of value and you deliver value to the customers and you put those customers before anything else, you can build a business and you have to back it up. You have to have a great product. You have to have great content. You have to, great, have, to have great talent. You can't be afraid to pivot. You can't be afraid to, you know, to continue to take chances. But, um, you know, we feel good about what we're building. Andrew Morris, executive vice president of CNN, speaking at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. CNN Plus launches March 29th. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Tomorrow, we're going to be joined by Reshma Shaljani, founder of Girls Who Code. She's out with a brand new book on the future of women and work. Also, Joseph Lubin to talk about all things crypto, the CEO of Consensus and the co-founder of Ethereum. That's tomorrow right here on Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang. This is Bloomberg.
Redmond leading all scores this weekend. In fact, the leading score in the Valley this season, and she's fouled. It can slow her down. They did an amazing behind-the-back dish down low, which actually made sports centers tough. If she gets shut down or double-teamed, she's going to look to try to involve a teammate. Bowman with the left hand. Comes Maya Wong for the Redbirds. Player right here that has the ball in her hands, Mary Crompton. You have to look out for her because she is a three-point threat from anywhere on the floor. She's got great range, and they're going to pay a lot of attention to her. Wong gets it to slide in, and a good start. For Remember the Redbirds in their first two games this weekend really hammered down the defense against their opponents. Loyola in the first matchup in the quarterfinals only scored 18 in the first half, and the top seed Saluki's only 15 in the opening 20, as Buffelli finally breaks the ice for are really good defensively, and, and I think that's the kind of matchup we're going to see here today, is, is defense is going to win this ball game. Nice play as Wong gets the reverse lay-in. Spots up for three. Juju Redmond. Might have gotten away with a little travel. At least the fans on the other side of the arena thought they did. On the ESPN app. Northern Iowa taking that timeout, not liking how this game is starting, and Bree Gunnels has been a Wolf with the partial block on Wilson. Long outlet, green in transition. That was a tough catch, tried to get the feet down to make that layup, but they recovered and still kept the possession. Gunnels on the drive, and it looks like Dana Wilson picks up. Their main game is get Redmond the ball, let her create, let her facilitate. Both teams going to their benches early. Sometimes in a championship game, you've got to get players in and out, shake the nerves, get them a little breather, and then get them back into the ball game. We saw her hit a couple yesterday from beyond the arc. Now Rucker with time running down. How many times? As she's got more floor experience. Shots drifting a little bit farther away from the basket in the last couple of possessions for Illinois State. Now Wolf on the inside. Cleared it out and let her go one on one. Huge drop step. Around Bowman and a soft touch over the rim. Redbirds have missed their last five shots. 
shows you that timeouts work sometimes. As Coach Warren called the timeout, not liking the start to the ball game, and they had made a run until 18 of them coming in the fourth quarter. Rocker gets the rebound. Also in that first game, it was Redmond and Wilson that accounted for 54 of their 67 points. And with that being said, kind of the same way in the second matchup, Redbirds need a third person to step up here in this ballgame today. Rucker definitely stepping up. And with that, finds Wilson getting in and out of the touch inside on Wolf. And Wolf with great defense. And here comes the Northern Iowa Panthers trying to take their first lead of the afternoon. A dish to Gunnels, and she'll head to the free throw line. by Finley to get the steal for you and I. Rocker going to set up the half-court set for Northern Iowa as they run a couple of high posts. Trying to dump it down and somehow it goes off the fingertips of an L. Dump it down and somehow it goes off the fingertips of an Illinois State player in the bucket. That's Northern Iowa's first lead of the afternoon somehow, some way, as they have a 12-2 run going right now against Illinois State as they are struggling on offense. Bowman finally gets one in. for the technical difficulty that we're having with our microphones right now and get everything back in play here as the Panthers are up 17 to 14 and again pounding the ball inside the impact in the tournament that they had last season and I think Amok has done a great job of retooling our team because when they lost Jasmine Franklin that wasn't an easy thing to, to, to you know to take in and I think she's managed it great and I think they're an excellent basketball team and they'll they'll, they'll make some noise in the tournament as you see their resume right now and you see some of the notable victories and Laura and I talked about this yesterday on the broadcast the fact that they have three wins against power five schools in fact you look at that missouri now i, I think the Marcus team has come out they've challenged themselves they've done the type of things that i think the women's basketball selection committee wants and i also want to be careful difficult the gauntlet is and laura you know this yourself getting through the missouri valley conference is not an easy task this is a great conference for women's basketball and, you know, in my mind, if, if Illinois State was, you know, tertiary tournaments that you can participate in, that becomes more of an institutional decision. 
But just like on the men's side, those are the two main things that you're really hopeful that you have a chance to get some participation. Overall, the, this season, thoughts on top to bottom on the women's league and, and how they performed a few months. But uh, I, three really quality teams coming into the league. You know, I think our student-athlete experience then in 22-23 than it was in, at the beginning of this year, and I think they've been able to accomplish that. And I'm excited about those. I think it's going to help our championship. I think it's going to make us a deeper league, and I think we're going to be constantly talking about multiple bits. Jeff, you and I discussed this during the men's tournament last weekend, and I would imagine the same holds true for the women's tournament. We're going to get everybody involved. We're going to have four games starting on Thursday, right? Yeah, you know, I'll go into 20 games. I think we're pretty much set there. You know, trying to figure out how we play those 20 games. I think on the men, it'd be great competition for our student athletes. They're going to be in great environments, and everything is going to grow and prosper uh, because of these changes. Well, Jeff, we appreciate your patience. Thanks for swinging by. <laughs> it's my pleasure. See Congratulations <laughs> on another successful tournament. Buddy. Thank you, Laura. That is the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, Jeff Jackson, join us here in Championship Sunday in the Valley. There's Jude. Redmond. Starting to heat up, Laura. She pulled it. She has scored the last five for ISU. And she, make it seven as Wolf rebound. And she's not a player. You saw her shooter right there. She knew it was coming up short. She went right after that rebound. Coming up big and making some big plays at the right time. Bree Gunnels. She has hit shots from that spot on the floor here in the tournament in multiple games. Just inside the three-point arc, so it's only a two. Wide open look for Wong, and she hits the triple. <laughs> okay, I'm saying you go up with that shot. Well, she knew better. She kicked it out for Maya Wong for the big three-pointer. Second differential as Rocker gets her instructions from head coach Tanya Warren going for the final shot and trying to add to the lead. Rocker trying to get it inside. Back to Carly with three on the shot. And she nails it. Get some help for Juju Redmond. Absolutely. Deanna Wilson picking up those two fouls. And, of course, she had a double-double in the first matchup and also double figures in the second matchup against Northern Iowa. No points and just three rebounds in the opening 20 minutes of play as we're underway with the second half of the championship of the Missouri Valley Conference. As the Wilson, after mentioning, gets the first two points to get his start us here, started here in the third quarter. You know, she's a player coming into this game the last three games before this had been averaging a double-double, and over those three games, averaging 15 points and 12 rebounds a game. They need to get her involved, and that's, I think, was their thinking coming out of the locker room. They need to get her some touches down low, and they ran it to her right away. Belly also with two fouls in that first half, and she gets the five for Northern Iowa. Deanna Wilson upset with herself that she couldn't slow down Grace Buffelli, but that's a tough matchup. Both of those post players have really great footwork around the block. 
Illinois State doing exactly how first down the rebound for Illinois State as they trail it 29-26 just underway third quarter from Catslayer Center. Goldman cut off on that drive. That is just great defensive communication and what a move by Wilson. Wolf, looks strong on that three attempt. As Kinsey Bowers checks in for ISU. Northern Iowa starting to settle for the three-point shot here. Not hitting at a high percentage, but they continue to look at that. I think they need to try to go back inside and establish that middle. They're spreading the floor. 8-2 run for the Birds. Wolf getting the offensive glass. You and I, one for 13 beyond the arc. Finley will try it again, and she drops it down. As always, you can watch everything streaming live on the ESPN app. And will they be talking about the Redbirds or the Panthers from the Missouri Valley Conference? On tonight's selection show, Maya Wong has tied it at 32. Just a frustration foul, and she knew it after she did it. You and I just shooting 20% from the field in this third quarter of play. A lot of standing right now. Green hits the three. Just your brother, who is the... MVP on the men's side of the Missouri Valley Conference, A.J. Green, also of Northern Iowa. And I guess it's okay to stand around like that if somebody's going <laughs> to step right. up and knock down a big three. Yeah, you have to believe that Emerson and A.J. probably out in the backyard playing a little horse. She has the ball in her hands a lot as a point guard, so she is going to get to the free throw line a fair amount. Folks, here's our NBA Sunday night matchup on ESPN and the app. LeBron and the Lakers are in Phoenix to take on Devin Booker and the Western Conference leading Sun. Green on the drive this time. Redmond keeps it alive and she'll push it up. Wong on the drive. Settle in, and uh, I think it was probably a good move for her. Wilson with the left hand. Newland tries to keep it alive, and Emerson Green tracks it down. Rucker checking back in after the timeout. Northern Iowa, two for their last 11. Five out, nobody in the middle. See also on the again this season three times for Carly as I mentioned the super senior seventh all-time in points scored and fourth all-time in assists championship Sunday it has been a long time coming and there you see last time Illinois State 2008 Northern Iowa 
has been in this championship game, but 2011 was the last time that they were able to claim the title. They've been here, haven't been able to close out the deal, and these two teams have worked very hard out of that three seed and out of the four seed to get here to try to go dancing. Rucker. I just like the second quarter or just before it. Northern Iowa off to a good start. You think about it, the first start of the game in the start of the second half, Illinois State had the better of it. There's Juju Redmond once again. But then in that second quarter and beyond, it was all Northern Iowa for the most part. But Northern Iowa really not shooting that well in that third quarter. Play. No, they really didn't. Only 25% in the third quarter. And just I'm not sure if the shot selection was, was right for them. I know they are trying to go inside now, and that's kind of where they're... Redmond with a beautiful spin move. Wolf is there. Green hits another three. Anna Wilson out on the floor with three, four, Illinois State. Redmond on Rucker. Rucker tried to shuffle the feet, got to the baseline, and Redmond is so good as she turns those shoulders and slides by on the baseline. Rucker with the answer. About these two, about these two super seniors just answering one another. One shows off on one end, here's what I can do. And the other goes down to the other end and goes, yeah, here's what I can do. Long sets up for the mid-range jumper, and she has had a terrific afternoon. And she was able to get herself open and knock down a big shot. Wolf spots up for another three attempt. Green gets the offensive rebound. And Finley... About Green coming in and providing a huge spark for the Panthers. Compton sets up for a three, and that's her first of the day. Tax Slayer Center, Moline, Illinois. It's the championship game of the Missouri Valley Conference Women's Tournament. Illinois State, Northern Iowa trying to get that automatic bid to the NCAA Tournament. Now the timeout, Redmond short on the attempt, but a foul is called. Juju Redmond. She went by, and then Buffelli stayed right there, and she stripped her as she kept the ball down around her knees. so quick defense and she's everywhere she is everywhere she's not just on one player does not stand around very often on the defensive side of things and they go one-on-one -on -one with green and the foul with an opportunity to redeem herself
right now, Northern Ireland. That will certainly come into play down the stretch. Redmond driving on Gunnels, and there's another block by Bree. Redmond sticks to it, and we have our sixth lead change. Got time to play defense. About a seven-second difference between game clock and shot clock. Redmond with eight on the shot clock, clearing it out against Emerson Green. Cut off, finds Wilson. Wilson inside, and a foul is called with eight seconds left. To get the foul, and Wilson stepping to the line. Rucker going to be the trigger on this inbound play. Remember, Illinois State has fouls to give as well. Finley's got it. And that'll do it. The Illinois State Redbirds are going to... Excited for a road trip? Start it off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. J.D. Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. podcast this is a space for millennial women to breathe and then go out into the world and lead now here's your host dr d evans hey everybody thank you for listening to the hey sis podcast i am your host dr d evans today's episode we will be discussing imposter syndrome i want to quickly go over what imposter syndrome is i think it's important because statistics show that 25 to 30% of high achievers suffer from imposter syndrome. That's enough to convince me. People who struggle with imposter syndrome believe that they are undeserving of their achievements and they are undeserving of the honor that has been placed upon them. People that struggle with imposter syndrome, they feel as if they are not as competent or as intelligent as others might think. People with imposter syndrome are often well accomplished. They may even hold numerous degrees and they may hold a high office position. This lets me know that no matter how much evidence that proves we are anointed, that we're successful, that we're worthy of the promotion, that we're capable of leading worship effectively, that we're great writers, that we're trustworthy, that our resume is enough. We are still inclined to this 
demonically induced belief that we are not as capable or not as smart as others think that we are. And in essence, this is imposter syndrome and we've got to overcome it. There is quite a bit of validity to the imposter syndrome and that annoys me. It annoys me because it affects so many people, especially millennial women that are breaking generational curses left and right. I'm talking to women who have broken the curse of rejection in their family. I'm talking to women that have broken the curse of poverty over their family. I'm talking to women who came out of bad relationships and that have come out of toxic friendships and you're free. You've broken through barriers that the enemy did not want you to come out of. Your entrepreneurs, your mothers, your wives, your amazing sisters, your professional. Some of y'all ratchet and you want to be. Okay, do you, boo? <laughs> Some of you are degreed. Edges, okay? Straight teeth. Come on now. I saw somebody the other day with, with a, um, a piercing in their neck. I said, good God almighty. What's that called when you have, well, you know, with the smokers commercial, when they be talking out their neck, who knew that was a cosmetic thing? I said, ooh. Anyway, <laughs> you have to know that you belong here. In this dispensation in time, you're not here on accident. You're here because God made you be here. You're not an accident. Your goals are not an accident. Your life isn't an accident. You were groomed for this. The Lord has been holding me accountable to negative self-talk. He's held me accountable with using restraint with my words concerning myself, as well as dismantling remarks laced as oh home girl let me put you on or that are laced as wisdom let me tell you something i'll cut you up real quick in this season because what i'm not going to allow is for people to try to convince me subliminally that i should not be here and for those of you that have strong personalities there's a purpose for that everybody cannot be passive some people have to be strong there's a balance between the two i believe in duality right everybody's personality isn't going to be the same but that doesn't mean anything's wrong with them I don't know who I'm talking to, but I can talk for for me. I have always been the woman that people targeted when it as it relates to what is success and what it means to arrive. People love coming up to me telling me what's wrong with me. They love telling me I'm too hard or I need to be softer. You need to do more of this. You need to do more of that. And I get it because I get it, meaning I think that they think that's what I do for a living. And I'm speaking, specific, uh, I'm speaking to prophets. If you're a prophet, that's how people perceive you. You just have people what to do all the time. They have no idea about the call, the burden, none of it. I don't want to be no prophet. Let me be very clear with you. I ain't asked for this. I'll give it back, okay? If I can refund it, y'all can have the money, okay, and exchange it for something else, okay? And exchange it someday for a Ooh, a crime and you're going to die. Ain't that one of them songs? Ooh, Lord, I can't use that example. But I exchange it for something. Red bottoms, I don't know. I'll exchange it for something, something normal, something nice, right? But when you walk in leadership positions, people often take their insecurities out on you. And I know I'm flowing in here. 
The same people that tell me I'm too hard are the same people that the Lord is telling to grow up. The same people that are offended by how I stand for ethics are the same people that God is holding accountable to their, or holding them accountable in their business acumen in their discipline. When you walk in leadership, I'm talking to, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, if you're an apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, pastor, bishop, want to be elder, whatever people will take their mess out on you. And what happens is when you don't put a stop to it, you start to believe the murmurs. You start to believe their insecurities. You start to rehearse it in your mind. Then it becomes your insecurities. And then the Lord's like, wait, 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 wait. None of that is true. I never told you you was too hard. I never told you you need to be softer. I never told you that I didn't love you the way that you are. Why are you letting outside opinions determine your trajectory why are you concerning yourself the way i made you is enough the lord has been walking me through that process of being able to stand up to anybody what they say in the streets anybody can get it and i mean that there's no exceptions And anybody I mentor, I tell them the same thing. You have got to stop allowing word curses to be placed over you. I am not your emotional punching bag. Here's the kicker. If you don't like who I am, then don't associate with me. It's fine. What you don't get to do is make passive remarks You don't get to talk to Aunt Bertha about me and still smile in my face. You don't get to post subliminals about me and still tell me how proud you are of me. No, 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 baby. In this place, I'm speaking prophetically to some of you and I'm just talking to to the rest of y'all because y'all probably going to go through another phase in your life. You have to be okay with being you. If no one else likes it, You have to be okay with it. It's been a long time since I have been able to say freely, if you do not like me, then please walk away from me. Do you know that people will threaten you with disconnection? It's so funny to me. If you don't stop, I'll disconnect. Well, disconnect then. You act like my... My existence is based on the fact if you like me or not, if you accept me or not, that's a lie from the pit of hell. At the end of the day, belonging is important. You'll read that in my next book. But you knowing who you are and whose you are is how you defeat imposter syndrome. I'm talking to the women in here who have missed out on hundreds of thousands of dollars because you were too afraid to step out. You felt like you weren't deserving of it. I already talked about earlier in this episode about the generational curse breakers. Some of y'all are the first in your family to own a home. You're the first in your family to even know how to spell luxury. You're the first in your family to go to school, to graduate, to have one husband, to have a child in wedlock, to own a business, to own a corporation, to write a book, to stop smoking. You're the first person in your family to not drink. Whatever the thing is, baby, you are history. I congratulate you. You're deserving of that honor. 
You do not have to be less than for anyone. And if anyone needs to make you less than, if they need to intimidate you with their insecurities to bring you down to their level, disconnect. I know I'm talking to someone, at least 200 people that are listening. Stand up for your right to be present. Yes, it starts in the battlefield of your mind, but it's also teaching the people around you that you deserve to be here, that you deserve to be present. Of course, I have a story. Um, I used, I'm not even going to do that particular story. I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk around it. What I will say is I used to feel bad for being organized. People that are undisciplined and unorganized will try to attack you when you operate in discipline and organization. Now, remember, every attack is not flesh and blood. Most of the time, it's them devils. And disorganization, to the extent that it can make you late, um, what else comes with this organization? It, it, it's, it could be rejection. It, it could be delay. It could be hindrance. It could be a spirit of torment. It could most definitely be a spirit of pride attached as well. When you stand up to them spirits, they will attack you for everything you got. Because them spirits don't, they don't want you to reveal who they are. Because everybody don't know they got devils. <laughs> Everybody doesn't know they're dealing with these things. They think it's a part of their personality, but the Lord has called you. I'm talking to you. The Lord has called you to always be on time, to honor your commitments. The Lord has called you to be the one that's dependable in the office. The Lord has called you to be the one that always starts service off with prayer. The Lord has called you to be the mom that takes care of everybody's kids at the PTA meetings, right? It's you. The reason you're in that position is because God is allowing you to be a light that shines before men and women that they may see your good works and glorify the father, which is in heaven. If you are less than, then there's less than a light. He wants you to fully shine, not be dim. He wants you to be fully you because that light is going to irritate the darkness and other people. It's supposed to offend. Can I, can I free you for a second? You're prophets, apostles, forget that Christians, you're supposed to offend the darkness. Don't be afraid of that. Don't allow these accusatory spirits to make you think that God brought you out of the hell that you've been through for you to be less than what he said you are. That means you, you stop cussing folk out because you know who you are. I'm too refined for that. You stop fighting people. I'm not saying you above it and neither am I. I'm just saying I'm, I'm too refined for that now because I know who I am. I don't have to convince you. I know. And that's enough. And if you don't know, if you mistreat me for what I know, meaning if, if I am the leader of this company and you keep talking to me like I'm beneath you and it's affecting my work, it's affecting my mental health, and then other people start copying your disrespectful tone 
it's time for me to go or it's time for you to go because I realize my time is worth more. My mental health is worth more. I said a statement earlier in this podcast episode and I'm going to repeat it. Your identity, your identity in Christ is one of the biggest weapons that you can use against imposter syndrome. What God says about you matters. What the enemy says about you is a scare tactic. Don't get it confused. If the enemy says you think you better. No, I do not think I'm better. You do. You think you're better than us. I've heard that quite a few times come out of the mouth, come out of a mouth of a person that was talking to someone in my vicinity. I've had it said it to me and I, I just think it's hilarious that people actually say those things. But I've also heard that phrase come out of someone's mouth that I love towards me. And I had no idea where it came from because it was so left field. But then when we talked it out, it had nothing to do with who I was. It had everything to do with what she lacked. And she deflected that upon me. Let me free you one more time. Some of the nasty stuff that people say to you, the outlandish stuff, has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. What they are going through is not your responsibility. You are only responsible for you. Now, we can get into the spirit of rejection. We can talk about torment because people love taking on other people's sins and then can't, can't, they're not really delivered from their own. I think that's hilarious. I want everybody to be free. I want this. I want that. But, baby, are you free? Because it sounds to me like you're putting your freedom on hold because you really don't want to deal with that part. You really don't want to be delivered from that. You think you're fine. You think you're better than being delivered because you like the way that you are. So in order to say that way, you're going to, Focus your attention on freeing other people because that's a deflection. There is no deflection in kingdom. The Lord's going to deal with you one way or another. And sometimes you have to be offended. And let me say this. Those of you who have walked in a, imposter syndrome and you've come over to the marvelous light of I'm going to be who I am. You've got to be okay with people not apologizing to you. But get in the habit of calling people out in love. No, you will not respond to me that way. No, that was inaccurate what you said. Don't don't refer to me as that anymore. Why? That's not what God says about me. I, I, I get good with people to say, your opinion doesn't matter. Because it doesn't. I stripped that of you in the name of Jesus. That word curse, that, that thing, that vain imagination, that vain imagination that has formed, save that for your secret groups and secret meetings. But as for me and my house, we only abide by what the Lord says. If I'm wrong, I will admit it. I will ask for forgiveness. I will apologize. I will do that. But I do not follow the voice of the accuser. Your identity as a son or as a daughter is one of the greatest weapons you can ever wield in the time of existential crisis. In the moments where you forget who you are, just say it. I'm a daughter of Christ. My hope is in him. I am trusted by God. I am loved by God. I'm fashioned by God. I'm not here on mistake. Millions didn't make it, but I'm one of the ones that did, and that's because of God. 
I, I am loved. I am seen by God. These statements of truth, we're not conjuring nothing. It's not a spell. It's a declaration so that you remember. You come out of that place of, oh God, I don't deserve it. Oh God, but look at this. And oh God, but look at that. I'm not worthy. No, 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 God. You died on the cross. You bled so that I could be worthy of this. It's only because of your grace and your mercy, but God, I'm supposed to be here. I'm not going to let the enemy intimidate me through people, through places, through things. I'm going to operate at 125% because it's not about me, God. It's about your glory. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a new creature. The old things, your old life. Is completely erased. You are made new. You are blood washed. You are set free. You are redeemed. But the enemy has a habit of doing two things. He has a habit of reminding you of your past sins. And he also has a habit of manipulating you into thinking you are someone that you are not. And we're back. Well, tax season's here, folks, and you know... Hi there. Whoa, where'd you come from? April here to tell you about the tax filing software from TaxAct. Seriously, were you like hiding behind my desk? Seriously, TaxAct makes it easy to get your maximum refund. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Switch to TaxAct today and you can start for free. Or as we say at Radioland. Subtle. TaxAct. File for less and get more. See TaxAct.com for details. The enemy wants you to forget who you are in Christ so that he can tell you who he wants you to be. The enemy wants you to put on not the full armor of Christ, but the full armor of those word curses that grandmama said over you, that your boss said over you, that your father said over you, that your aunt said over you. That's the whole point. But you can uproot that in the name of Jesus, and then you can walk out your identity by overcoming those word curses, by combating that negative self-talk and being the light that God has predestined for you to be. Now, I'm going to go through a list of places that I've seen people operate in imposter syndrome. And one of those places is work. People with imposter syndrome love this false humility. Oh my gosh. Listen, God gave you every skill and ability that you possess. It is not a curse that you are multifaceted and talented. It is a blessing. Don't allow people to make you Put down gifts that you have because they don't have it. I have done that. I'm talking good. Yep, that was my uh, computer. Go ahead and be mad. Um, (laughs) I have literally put down who I was because people told me I had too many gifts. And I don't think it's a coincidence that women come to me that are multifaceted and I begin talking to them and I realize they're multifaceted. They have so many gifts, so many talents, so many anointings, but it was a remark that was made to them 
that made them stop playing piano. It was something that auntie said that stopped making them that stopped making them braid hair or it, it took the inspiration away for them to braid hair. It was something their pastor said that made them cease from wearing red lipstick. Listen, you've got to realize how powerful words are. I'm going to say this one more time for the people in the back. God gave you every skill and ability that you possess. You have to honor those skills. And the way you honor them is asking your job for every penny you deserve, making your clients pay for every penny you deserve. Ain't nothing wrong with free, but baby, free is not always the answer. Sometimes people have to pay to sit at the table that got set. It is what it is. People with an imposter syndrome They love to attribute their success to luck. Oh, I just hopped up and figured out how to create this $30,000 invention. No, the Lord gave it to you because you're creative. Because you are excellent in math. Because you are an amazing writer. God made you that way. If your best friend is not a great writer, that should not make you stop writing. You don't owe nobody anything because you're a great writer. Be you. All right, another facet of a way that I've seen um, people, I guess, manifest imposter syndrome is among insecure men. Ooh. So many women with this imposter mindset give their pearls to men who can't find their way out of a paper box. Ladies, if you haven't noticed, This is our time. This is definitely our time. Women in leadership is not just a fad. I think it's an era. It's time for you to be okay with the fact that you are a leader. You and your husband can be leaders. You can submit to him and still be a leader. It doesn't mean you have to be less than yourself because you're in a relationship. You don't have to be less than yourself because you have a male boss over you. That's crazy. The Lord will never ask you to dishonor yourself or allow emotional or verbal or spiritual abuse because you're a woman and you're quote unquote less than the Lord will humble you, but don't ever mistake humility for abuse. Stop allowing insecure men to steal your ideas, to steal your time, to steal your purity, to steal your money. Maybe you are smart. You was smart. You was, what is it? You was intelligent. How'd that go from the help? You know what I'm saying. You was smart. You was kind. You was intelligent. Listen, you can walk circles around them. You know, can't nobody else do a budget like you. You can't, you know, can't nobody do a flyer like you. You know, you're the best nurse on the floor. You know, you're the top CNA. You know, you're the top rep at your company. Stop giving away your pearls to people because you are not secure with those pearls that God wants you to string around your neck and wear proudly. 
It's okay to be gifted. It's okay to be the cream of the crop. Use wisdom. Use your discernment. But do not think that you don't deserve honor and promotion and platforms and husbands and whatever else because you have a vagina. Okay. The Lord will break protocol for you. Let me say that one more time. The Lord will break protocol for you. I'll say it three times for the Holy Ghost. The Lord will break protocol for you. And when he breaks protocol, you better be ready to walk through every door that he opens with your head held high. We don't want to hear no Grammy speech. I just want to thank my mom. I want to thank this. I want to thank that. I just want to thank God for endowing me with power. I thank you, Lord, for giving me a grace to complete my assignment and move on. Do you hear what I'm saying? Be secure in who you are. You are not responsible for making a man secure. You are not responsible for making a woman secure. How that ain't your business. If if she's 59 years old and insecure and bitter, let me, let me tell you something. You can't help them. It's, 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 trust me, this stop they oh lord i don't know what it's gonna take it's not gonna take you getting angry i'll say it like this if you come across insecure bitter women and insecure bitter men and they've been bitter for a long time i promise you you being less than who you are won't solve the issue (laughs) it will just put you in a bind they're gonna stay insecure but you're the one that god has anointed it's imperative that you be you Another place where I've seen imposter syndrome manifest is um, at home. Like with new moms and new wives, they act like they just, uh, from what I've read, parents are almost always clueless. Um, I'm a single woman with no kids and I'm clueless now. So I know I'm going to be a mess. I don't think I have to know everything, which is why I stick to God like glue. I know I'm completely inadequate Woo! outside of the power of the Holy Ghost. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let me be refined, honey. By the power of the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, I've been refined for his glory. I'll be able to run a household for his glory with his help. I'm going to be able to love my spouse for his glory and with his help. You cannot allow fear to influence you into making illogical decisions. Come off of Instagram. Come off of FaceTime. Come off of TikTok. Stop posting them stories and get into your word. If you that insecure about being who you are, then you need to go back to the one who made you. You have to be led by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And if you're unsure about his leadership, you need to read about it. One thing I can't stand is ignorance from a Christian. And they come up with stuff. They say stupid stuff, just stupid about the Lord. It's almost blasphemy. These things that people think about God is derived from how they think about themselves. Well, God surely couldn't want this. 
Where did you read that at? You just made that up to make yourself feel better. That irritates me. And it should irritate them. It's like somebody talking trash about your mama. There's an integrity that has to be upheld concerning the Lord. It's why we have the Bible. It's why we have scholars, biblical scholars and theologians that help us properly articulate sentiments about the nature of God. Sometimes you're just dead wrong about what you thought about the father. But the only way you're going to find that out is if you're in the word. Some of you are dead wrong about what it looks like to be a wife, to be a mom, to be single. Find your place in Christ and start in the word of the Lord. There's so many books out here, self-help books. You can find a book for everything. Matter of fact, if you can't read, you can have a book. Ain't that something? I don't want to hear nothing. I don't want to hear nothing. I can't read. I'm illiterate. Have you ever heard of Audible? Stop playing with me. Somebody can read a book to you. Where's the excuse at? Come out of there. Okay, my last little point, child. I'm getting, I'm getting towed up over here. The last place where I've seen imposter syndrome manifest is in romantic relationships. You can feel so unworthy of love and affection that you ruin a relationship. Help me, somebody. Y'all gonna sow a seed on this here. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna do a podcast episode on seed sowing. Somebody remind me of that. Anyway. Cause I need, I need to talk about what that is. Nevertheless, um, you can feel so unworthy of love and affection that you completely ruin a relationship. Don't sabotage yourself into a self-inflicted singleness. Listen, some of y'all are in love with being in a relationship in your mind, but then you get in a relationship and you become a terror. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. You become the Felicia in the phrase by Felicia. If you desire marriage and God has spoken that over you, listen, prepare now. You're worthy of it. And I get it. It's not a joke. A lot of people have been through some stuff. A lot, a lot of you all, a lot of you all, plenty of you have been through some emotional trauma. And to be honest with you, I know some of you have not really sought help for it, but you need to get help because you don't want to sabotage this relationship that you've been praying for because you're embarrassed to admit the fact that you have flaws. Some of the pride that some of you haven't been experiencing Some of the pride that I see that's erupting out of so many people is bred from rejection, bred from it. And again, imposter syndrome, I'm very clear about who I am. I'm making it my mission to not be less than. I want you to join me on this mission. But trust me, once you become secure in who you are, there's going to be a wind of people Friends, family members that try to tell you who you are not. And you're going to have to remember what God said about you. Why? What God says about you is going to be the thing that that man sees in you. Come on in here. And you want to be ready, not just to be his bride, but to be the bride 
of Christ. If you haven't read any books about what it means to be the bride, oh Lord, there's a song that says, come for, come for your beloved ones. I don't even, it's called New Jerusalem by Matt Gilman. I used to just fall in the floor and, and it was talking about Jesus coming back for his church without a spot or a wrinkle. And it's, it's the moment where you realize, Lord, you're perfecting me. You're glorifying me, right? And some of you are walking through that process even now. God is refining you. He's teaching you who you are. And it's because he needs you to be whole because he's adding someone to you. And you two are going to become one. But if you're fractured and you're not whole, you're one fifth of a person, three fifths if you're black, if you're black, that's a joke. Um, you're going to have a whole time being one with another person. So please step out of imposter syndrome and walk into being fully who I was going to say fully D I'm going to be fully D be, be fully whoever you are, because that's who God is looking for people need you to show up as you forget them though you need to show up as you you need to show up as you now if you're struggling begin to pray against false humility begin to pray against rejection pray that the lord would begin to show you who you are to him, begin to praise and honor the Lord, begin to ask God for a greater measure of discernment. Many of you may need to ask God to reveal secret sins in your life. Cause I've come across a lot of imposters lately who have a stronghold of pride attached to them, a stronghold of rejection attached to them. And I can tell they do because of, uh, uh, because of how they treat other people. <laughs> Imposters wreak havoc on other people's lives, but I have to do that in another episode. But I need you to forgive whoever you need to forgive. I need you to let go of who ne- whoever you need to let go of and embrace you. I know you want to be loved. I know you want attention and and you deserve all of that. You do deserve to be attended to by people that love you. You do deserve to be loved, but you also deserve to love yourself and to walk in your truth. And that truth is rooted in Jesus Christ. You do not have to be an imposter. You can just be you. And that is enough. My prayer is for you to have the confidence to be authentically you because you are supposed to be here. You are supposed to shine. That's why you're radiant. Stop doubting yourself. Arise and shine. All right. I wrote a blog article on this exact topic talking about imposter syndrome. You can find that at thedevans.com. All right. If you are looking for some one-on-one coaching, you go to thedevansgroup.com. Over there is all things inner healing and deliverance. If you're looking for business consultation, maybe you're refreshing your brand. Maybe you need to start a brand because you're coming out of being an imposter. 
And that website is Koinonia Training and Consulting. That's K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A Training and Consulting.com. All right. My email is contact at the D Evans. Send me your testimonials. If you would, please. I got so many listeners. I got like thousands of y'all now. Place some reviews up. What is it? Write some reviews on Apple for me. Write some reviews on Spotify for me. iHeartRadio, please, 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 please. Okay. Thank you for listening. And um, until we meet next time. All right. Bye, sis. Thanks for joining us this week on the Hey Sis podcast. Check out www.thedevans.com for more blogs and motivation. Okay, I only have 15 seconds to tell you about Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology, the powerful dicamba premix herbicide from Syngenta. It controls tough weeds in soybeans and cotton, like Palmer amaranth, water hemp, and grass weeds. Actually, we're going to go longer, because Tavium lasts longer. So you get all the power of dicamba plus up to three weeks longer residual control than dicamba alone. Now time's officially up for tough weeds. Talk to your local Syngenta retailer to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Tavium Plus Vapor Grip Technology is a restricted-use pesticide. This sode would not be possible without the support of our listeners, patrons, and sponsors. If you'd like to find out more about supporting the 3-Bit Gamer Show, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash 3BG. And a major shout-out goes out to our boss-level patrons, Christopher, Patrick, and Skyler. Look, JD, I know you think it'll be funny, but I know our listeners don't want to hear us argue about The Bachelor during the intro. Let's just do it. Let's just do it and be epic. Okay, fine. Because you are wrong about Clayton. (laughs) And furthermore, the emotional manipulation exhibited... Now I listened to you for 13 minutes without interruption. You're going to listen to me. Clayton may have been out of line, sure... During hometowns, she should have. She knew fantasy sweets were. You just logged into the Three Bit Gamer Show. Welcome to the Three Bit Gamer Show. I'm JD. This is Peterson. And no, Clayton was not gaslighting her. That's bullshit. That's Sinead-level bullshit. Oh, gosh. <laughs> How dare you compare him to Sinead? They're both bad. How dare you invoke her name? <laughs> Live from the Three Big Gamer Show. The news. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Our news this week, as with all weeks, is brought to us. I crave crave cookies crave uh crave cookies is this awesome cookie empire um of which we we get to be proud supporters and evangelists absolutely uh and guys go on to crave cookies.com because crave officially has multiple locations um, will you play that, that like, I guess, is it a horn that plays? No, nope, yours was good enough. Ours, that is, was a, ours that is was a better. good one. 
yours, <laughs> yours is pretty good. Uh, there are multiple locations now for Crave, for Crave mm-hmm. Cookies. Um, you go to cravecookies.com slash locations, and the the West Valley one is open. It's open now. Mm-hmm. And it's open. Fun fact, Trent likes that location more than his flagship location. So, well, he probably likes the building because his probably flagship has a parking building lot is a little rough. You can drive into, yeah. unlike Crave, uh, the current location, guys. But that doesn't matter because what really matters is another JD creation. Is this one from you? Is on the menu. Mangoes and sticky rice. This, this is this not... is the one I'm so excited for. It. It's so weird and I love it. This is the one, dude. This was not uh this was this was JD's brainchild, but Trent was the one that that delivered and birthed this child. Um <laughs> this is the mango sticky rice cookie. It's a coconut infused dough with sweetened dried mangoes, marshmallow, and rice krispies mm-hmm. with a coconut mango dude. glaze. I want this one so bad. You don't so even have bad. to go to get Thai food. Not, although you should. I mean, as a bonus, you should get Thai food with a four pack of these. Oh my god. I if you've never had first, if you've never had mango sticky rice, like do yourself a favor and find a place that serves a good one and get it. It's a it's Thai incredible. thing. So look for a Thai restaurant and I'd say fifty percent of them have it. Would it you say incredible. that's an accurate? Yeah, I'd say about half. Half. Um and then this cookie though, I, I look. I get excited about some of Trent's cookies, but this one I am so excited for because, A, you know, I love fruit cookies, and B, this is so different than anything I've seen before. So It's out there. It's so cool. It's out there. So I'm stoked to check it out. Uh, go to CraveCookies.com if you want to salivate over it. Or there are the, the circles, the influence, the Crave influence has grown um, further and will grow. By the end of this episode, there may be another there may be another location open. Who knows? Nice. Ukraine has asked the video game industry to join the fight. Come on in, boys. Come on in. All right. So to be fair, this is a lot of this news is going to be old because we're playing catch up. If you guys remember last week, we had been madness. So we had like two or three days of news. Now we have like 10 days of news or more. So this was 11 days ago. Um, the war in Ukraine is still going on. Uh, Kiev standing. Awesome. Way to go. They don't give a shit. (laughs) Doing great. Doing great guys. Yeah. Kicking ass. Um, but there is a lot of there in that 11 days since this call was made. Um, there has been a lot of response. This, this was coming from the Ukrainian government. There was a, um, the, this was coming from Ukraine's vice prime minister of digital transformation. So it's like this is his wheelhouse. I'm sure all the different ministers of different industries are calling upon all these industries across the globe. And this is particular uh, the call that the video game industry received, like I said, uh, 11 days ago. And um, there's almost too much to document. Tons of game companies have pulled their games from digital storefronts in Russia and Belarus. Uh, tons of studios have shuttered their offices in these countries. There's just been a lot of things that have been closed off um, to Russian marketplaces and the Russian economy has been just kind of shut out. If you want to play games there, I know CD Projekt Red was shutting down, was shuttering offices because they're in Poland. So they're very sensitive uh, to Russians invading countries that they don't belong in. So a couple things like, of course, this is sad for uh, just innocent Russian civilians who just want to play some games. 
Um, and this isn't to like, we're going to punish the civilians this is not why he wants to do this. This is, uh, I'd say a push to get the civilians in Russia to stand up who are, you know, there is a large portion of them that are against this war. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, uh, heavy handed way to like try to force this stuff, but that's but left, what, less what heavy-handed got, than you know? bombs. <laughs> less heavy-handed than <laughs> a lot lighter than bombs a, and bullets. A full-on invasion, <laughs> um, which yeah, would so. which would be by definition a tad heavy-handed. <laughs> what, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I don't know if you've seen this in the in the recent couple days since this happened. Yeah. Putin has come back, and they have now. Uh, a we're gonna release he, our own FIFA, no, Russian they, FIFA. It'll FIFA. be even worse. Rifa, Russian Rifa. football, only like Russian rec leagues teams. <laughs> um, no team no, over sixty. Saint Petersburg just smokes everybody because they're the only <laughs> good team. Um, and no, it's uh, he has they. He, I say he. Russia is has now approved. Uh, made it made it no longer illegal to pirate software because of this as a response. They're saying, okay, fine. Then you can uh, pirating software is no longer against the law. I'm sorry. Was it ever illegal in Russia? Did I mean, any loosely. Russian ever give a fuck about pirating anything ever? Loosely, loosely. <laughs> it was a, uh, you know, every if it was now a, and then stepping a, on like a mob business, maybe your piracy would be un- unacceptable. <laughs> every like, now and then a well intentioned uh, Russian citizen would be like, you know what? I'm just going to buy this game instead of downloading it off of straight the- to the gulag <laughs> gulagged. You wanted you. to watch the office season three gulagged. Get Believe it or not. Gulag. Believe it or not. Gulag <laughs> signing up for Peacock gulag. John Romero just released a brand new level for 1994's Doom 2, and all the proceeds will be going to support Ukraine. That's tight on a couple levels. I just just love this because it is, well, yeah, first of all, it's just releasing a couple new levels. And I personally know people who would be like, all right, I'm in. Like, I I don't even care. I just want to play new doom levels. There are people who have cause... played the same doom two levels over the course of the last i don't know it's 25 plus years uh <laughs> they've played those levels hundreds of times countless yeah. times and would definitely appreciate and recognize and it feels like more than anything it feels like a legitimate real level when it's the original creator mm-hmm. uh busting these out so yeah uh kind of a kudos to john romero uh dope way to help and you know i think there's a lot of people that sit around in these instances and feel helpless like what can i do this is awesome this guy did something he's like hey i know what i can do make more video games there is something i can that's do. all i do is make this so i'm gonna keep doing what i do and i'll just give that to ukraine selling it for five euros whatever that is these days whatever that is in freedom digits i don't know <laughs> I don't know. We may never know. In an effort to keep up with the competition, the Steam Deck also has Joy-Jiv, Joystick Judgment. <laughs> Let's try this again. I'm going to play. I'm going to replay the sound. I'm going to do it again. 
in an effort to keep up with the competition, the Steam Deck also has joystick drift now. Say also has joystick. I, also has joystick. Why couldn't I fucking say that? It's not even in a an tongue effort twister. to keep up with the competition. The Steam Deck also has joystick. Jo- you're right. Joystick. It also joystick. has joystick drift. Also has joystick drift. <laughs> say also has joystick drift right now out loud. Everyone do it. I don't care. Why is this are. so hard? I should screen these. I write these. I don't read them out loud before. And I read I'm doing this live. <laughs> now I know I shouldn't do that. Peter picked a pickle pickle. So this is this, this was a funny the, the joke was in the headline that's now been lost. But uh fuck. The whole thing is now the Steam Deck is just like the Switch. How it, is this a thing? How is joystick ha- drift a thing? I don't know. Why is joystick now in your head now? Why is joystick drift like why is the joystick technology so bad now? Do we normally say Joy-Con drift? That's why, because it's Joy-Con. Nintendo had it right. Maybe Nintendo was like, you know what? Dude, that's what happened sucks. is there were a bunch of Japanese executives in a boardroom. <laughs> And they trying were trying to, to say, say joystick. joystick drift, and it wasn't their first language. And they, it's my first language, and I can't fucking say it. So they're like, uh, is there potentially another name we might call this? And they're like, how about Joy-Con? Yes, Joy-Con, everyone can say Joy-Con in this room. Yeah, we're going to go with Joy-Con, because that's yep. easy. Uh, this is coming from, like, there were three posts in the Steam Deck subreddit. There were a couple more that I was able to find on, like, Twitter and stuff. Uh, but it's all the right Joy-Con, joystick, whatever you want to call it. Um, the thumb right stick. One. Can we say thumbstick? Thumb, thumb. That's jobber. easier. The thumb jobber. Well, so the right thumb jobber is off, and it's really funny because these all are videos of the jobber like not being touched, and yet the the co- the cursor is like moving on the screen. What's really cool is the one of the videos has the. Uh, configuration settings up and it shows the calibration of each and the 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 right jobber is just like bouncing all over the axes or the numbers are just like all over the place so you can actually see the software things calculations or whatever that are going in to the drift which you would never see on the nintendo side that's all happening in your poor little joy con which is going crazy trying to figure out what it's supposed to do um, Steam has responded to this because they aren't Nintendo, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, they said they looked at it and it's a dead zone calibration issue that, um, came from the recent firmware update and they shipped a fix and they've addressed it and they'll keep an eye out. Sure. Can't wait for that Steam Deck V2. Dude, I think it's fixed. I I believe him. I'm prone to believe that it it was a it was a firmware thing. Oh, and... I'm sure, but there's like so many of these bugs. That's I guess the thing. But but to be the optimist, at least it's not Nintendo just saying that's not a thing. That doesn't exist. Fuck you. Joy for years. Drift. They did that for years. That seem right. Nah, those those don't drift. The Joy Cons. Are you guys thinking of? Joysticks or Joy-Cons? You mm. may be confused. Which is this? You this see, ours are Switch? called Joy-Cons. Mm, yeah, I you may. I, I think you're confused. Yeah, it sounds wrong. Oh, also, there's th- there's a thousand games on this thing now. Dude, I've seen like a lot of little indie games that I play. They'll they'll just there'll be a small update. And on the games I'm into, I read the just quick patch notes. And a nice. lot of them recently have been 
oh, I made this so it works on the Steam Deck. Dude, uh, I like that. It's dope because they have pretty strict rules. Would you be surprised to learn that? Like, I would be getting getting verified on the Steam Deck is not easy. They say uh, they need to be a hundred percent working to get the full status. A game that is works ninety nine percent of the time, but quote is accessing one optimal in game mini game crashes like any any crash. Uh, one tutorial video doesn't re- render that is unsupported, and they will not give you wow. support. So if you have any crashes on the Steam Deck on your game, and they go through it like. Bam, you're out. So to have a thousand that have gone through this semi-rigorous test, that's pretty cool. And I think a lot of these little, especially the little indie games that I play, and I say little indie games, these are like games that have been done really, really well. Yeah. Uh, It's perfect, right? They're they're like, this. oh, this is great. This is exactly the type of platform we should be on. Think of like Vampire Survivor, right? Oh. I mean, one joystick. One That's joystick, the, one and you can the left one. It. You it's, can eat cereal while right you're playing. Jobber. Yeah, it's the it's the good jobber. It's the good one that doesn't <laughs> get broken. The good jobber. The good jobber. Write that down. That's the name of the soda, I think. <laughs> and now time for seven sleazy minutes with Activision. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna try. Should I, do you want? Do you want me to do a timer or a countdown? Which would you prefer? What's more dramatic? Uh, seven minutes. Okay, for all this, I'll shit. do a timer, and I'm gonna call out a minute every time. Okay, I'm just gonna cruise. Then here we go. Bang bang. Seven sleeves minutes. With Activision. Uh, Bobby Kotick is leaving his board position with Coca Cola. Why did he have I this? Yeah, <laughs> I ten saw years. This motherfucker was on thing. the board of Coca Cola. Uh, this came as an announcement from Coke's side. Coke was like, yeah, fuck Bobby Kotick. He's out. Even yeah. though his name kind of sounds says, like our brand. It says out. he's leaving. Uh, he's getting the boot. Let's be honest. Yeah. And he releases a statement. Of course, this, this charming individual quote, I have decided not to stand. I have decided not to stand for reelection to the Coca-Cola company board in order Me. to focus my full attention on Activision Blizzard. Bitch, you're leaving that too. I just, I'm sorry. And he says, it's been a privilege and a pleasure to serve on the Coca-Cola board for the past 10 years. How did he get this? Larger question. What the fuck is boards? So I'm sorry. So we just have companies that like find rich guys that work at other companies, give them more money. That's what a board is. And they're like, this is how things work. These are called checks and balances. I'm like, yeah, I trust corporate America. Uh, next up, Activision Blizzard has been disinvited from speaking. One, one minute at South by Southwest. Um, given the uh, this is a quote, given the ongoing and unfolding nature around the sexual harassment accusations being covered up at the executive le- levels of Activision, we decided it was best not to have high profile speakers from Activision present at South by Southwest this year, said Linda Park, VP of Communication, in a statement to the Washington Post. So um, there was a, a, a higher up, some C sweet manager type whatever at activision that was supposed to set to speak um at south by southwest is they essentially broke up with them (laughs) yeah and they're they're like you're you're out and it speaks to kind of a larger trend that just this is this is the company non grata like nobody wants anything to do with these guys even in the background even in like kind of the more professional like event space world they're like these guys are poison two minutes fucking toxic 
All right. So next up, Call of Duty, <laughs> Candy Crush, and Warcraft account for 82% of all of Activision's revenue now. Candy Crush still in it. Candy Crush, Call of Duty, and Warcraft. That is your portfolio. That is the bleakest shit among all of this bleak shit. <laughs> this comes from their annual report, which also states that, quote, related media attention can be expected to have an adverse effect on our ability to attract and retain employees and has resulted in work stoppages. You don't say people don't want to go work for the devil. Shocker. Can I just say real quick, though, like kudos to Candy Crush, because Call of Duty is like a <laughs> franchise. Kudos Warcraft is a franchise. Peter Peterson got out of this. No, but listen to this. Call of Duty is like tons of games. Warcraft, handful of games. World of Warcraft 1, World of Warcraft 2, War, or sorry, Warcraft, and then World of Warcraft, right? And then Candy Crush. Candy Crush they slips made in here. The, they're sitting here with like one of these things is not like the other. Like, I don't like Candy Crush. Not a fan myself. Just slipping under the radar, though. But they're just like, hey, we're here next to Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. next to a service that is like 30 bucks a month. Candy yep. Crush hangs. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so also in this report, the company said that the, there was a California law that required it to add another woman to its board of directors by the end of 2021, and they failed to do so. They didn't. That's not even hard to do, just, you guys. They just didn't even fuck. No, it is fucking hard to do. You know how hard it is to find a non-white, rich dude that works at another <laughs> big, rich company to work on your board? Peterson, it's almost fucking impossible. There's only, like, 30 dudes, and they are all on the same fucking boards. Did, and if you can't find a guy, what those 30 dudes... Four minutes. Did they try to catcall her to get her to join? Like, hey... <laughs> Hey, baby, come over here. Join this board. <laughs> Got a board for hey, you. That's a good board for you to sit on. <laughs> that's all. That's the only way they knew how to get a get a girl to come over. Like this has never worked, but it's the only thing I have. I gotta learn how to wolf whistle. Uh, that would make this a lot better because these guys are living in the fucking fifties. Um. So they couldn't get a woman on the board, and when they like redressed it in this report. Dude, they literally were just like, well, the the Microsoft thing is happening, so we didn't think we had to do that anymore. Oh, you guys. (laughs) They said, we're all going to be gone after the Microsoft acquisition, so what are you going to do? Fire us? (laughs) That's why they didn't do it. Not to be like, as a measure of good faith, we tried really hard to prove that we weren't an outgoing group of shitheads. Oh, you wanted us to. You told us to add a skirt to our board? (laughs) I don't think so. No one tells us what to do. <laughs> no one tells us dudes what to do. Like uh, that is not like legitimately. That's not hard. That should not be hard. To it be was like, impossible, nigh un- impossible for these guys to find a single woman in the course of one year to just hand money out to just be to, at the board, to just sit at a fucking meeting, just sit there and rubber stamp sexual harassment. Bing, bang, boom. All day. You could find a woman to do that. I guarantee you. Nope, they couldn't do it. And then they said, fire us. Yeah, fire there's us. probably a bunch of ladies from the Trump administration who'd be in for that. I'm sorry. Oh, I had to. Absolutely. Um, anyway, uh, so the last one minute, one minute, the last thing with one minute left is wholly unrelated to all of this, but it amidst all of this shit, but there's another Warcraft expansion coming out next week. (laughs) 
So that's fun. They're trying to I catch guess. up to Candy Crush's revenue. So I guess Warcraft I just love expansion. That in the middle of all of this, they're like, hey, a Warcraft expansion. Like nothing else is happening. And I'm just like, isn't that quaint? Isn't that cute? It's like a it's like a something that would happen in 2019. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Everything before 2020 is just like, hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, oh, the the weekdays where they're filled with nothing but weak people. Yeah, like oh, another Warcraft expansion. What are the chances that this one's going to be a letdown? 20 seconds. 1,000%. <laughs> it absolutely, you know, every, it yeah. already is a letdown. I'm, I'm let down by the fact that they announced it. Instead of just saying, you know what? We're done. As they didn't company, even give suck. us a hype video, I don't think. No, we're not going to get one. The White House has announced that it's exploring regulations for cryptocurrency, which kind of, I think, defeats the purpose of cryptocurrency. Just got to get in on that crypto game. That it's like an unregulated Mm -hmm. uh, market where you can't track or trace the purchases or the wealth or who owns what or when or where or how. Yep. But now we're going to be like, well, I do have to report all of that to the IRS. See, friend that I'm buying heroin from on the dark web. And that person's like, I'm sorry, what did you just say? As I'm ordering a hit for you on the dark web that I'm also paying for in cryptocurrency. Yep. Yeah, um, uh... This is kind of a I, I mean, it, it makes sense. This is an absolutely perfect. It's not shocking sense that that the, the government is moving to regulate. Um, this wild west. Uh, this is uh, an uh, uh, an order, an executive order from President Biden, uh, which is a wide ranging order that goes to a lot of gold gov- different government agencies to develop policy recommendations on digital assets and cryptocurrencies. So NFTs and crypto. What are the chances like- we start seeing NFTs as part of campaigning? Or so the presidents are like, hey, Biden twenty twenty four or whatever, here's a we wanna here's the Biden crypto. You're a donor, get an NFT. Don't put that fucking evil. It's gonna happen. What did we do to deserve this thing that you're saying? (laughs) What have we done? We made it through to the other side of twenty twenty. And then you say that we should have politician NFTs in the next election? Yeah, just throw in a donation of a thousand dollars and get a glass. I hate that (laughs) election election Um, specific NFT. It's happening. I just think the wording on this is so funny. uh, Taking into account the fact that our government is run by septic, run by seventy year old people and older. I think it's pretty I think it's kind of like a what what the fuck is this? <laughs> what because that's the order it's like everybody. Hey, everybody. What fucking is this? Does anyone know Does anyone know what crypto is? Hey. I keep hearing about cryptocurrency. FBI, Will somebody tell me? Do you guys me? know what uh crypto is? And they're like, "Oh, we were worried he was going to ask about that." Oh god, well, I'll put together a PowerPoint for him. Um, so yeah, I guess there's look and they're looking to move quickly on it because that's also part of this, this like old person, old man yells at cloud is like old man yells at cloud and is like, is that cloud giving me all the tax revenue? It should be, which I'm like, good on you. Yeah, we should be getting all the tax revenue. We should be, uh, tax cheats burning hell. (laughs) Amazon prime video is eyeing a God of war series. 
this is all rumors. But I will say, I, I first was going to be like, oh, JD, do the Alex Jones thing. Do it, buddy. And my throat was like, hey, how many years do you want left? And my throat cancer doctor was like, I could send another kid to college if you do the Alex Jones thing. Keep doing that. Like, do it. Do the Alex do Jones it. thing. Do it. Do the Alex Jones thing. <laughs> but then I was so grateful because I found out that the article was written by Nelly Andriva, who is the co-editor-in-chief of TV for Deadline Magazine. I mean, what does this mean? I'm willing to call that uh, not total fake news. Um, she seems very confident in her reporting here. And I don't think you get to co-editor-in-chief of TV for Deadline.com without having a little bit of gumption and journalistic ethics. Well, hopefully. Listen up here, folks. Uh-oh. Deadline.com. <laughs> Deadline.com is not what you think it is. It's, it's a, a dead of lies and hypocrisy. <laughs> Baby blood is fueling all of their servers. God damn. Where does that stuff come from? I start doing the voice and these things just come out of me. I was um, not thinking about baby blood 20 seconds ago. And now I did. It just God, came no, into my brain. Now I can't stop. Is that Alex no, Jones secret? About. He just, his voice, his, his voice he's, makes these he's things. He's got baby blood on the brain. <laughs> come into the ether. He just like, it didn't exist in his head before he started talking. He's just, his voice is like controlling him. It's like some fucking HP Lovecraft story where every time he talks, he's like, why is this who I am? I fucking hate it. The demon is he's actually controlling the demon via his voice, not vice versa. It's the opposite. Um, okay, back to so, God of War. I so do God like of this War. because I am watching, as I've told you, JD, I'm watching this Viking Valhalla uh, series and sure. I love it and this feels like it could have that same sort of feel you know okay. like an old uh, Norse or whatever 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 the time frame or era or region they want to start this on but you know just Kratos going around and uh, hitting people with an axe and that sort of thing I don't know. I'm in. I feel like they've done other things well along this same vein. So this could be fun. So it says that Prime Video is in negotiations for this right now. Um, the adaptation would be coming from The Expanse, the creators of The Expanse, which I okay. can love. Yeah. Um, I think they do a good job. This is Mark Ferguson, Hawk Otsby. You don't know those people. Nope. Um, and yeah, it looks like they, they have some good some good names involved in the mix according to this completely um unconfirmed reporting but knowing amazon's whole thing dude can i just say i i, I kind of it's kind of funny to me that uh watching in this battle of billionaires everyone seems to be wanting to get into games uh to video games and it's hilarious watching people like zuckerberg just chase trends like a dog chasing cars, no fucking idea what he's doing. Um, where Bezos with with this Amazon thing, he's hit a wall a couple of times with the Amazon Game Studios. Um, they've really s- struggled, and yeah. they have been a. It's bad, bad PR for the company. It's been bad publicity. It's just bad, bad across the board. Um, but their video service has been crushing it, and the Killing fact that it. they're like, hey, video games are still hot. 
whether or not they're being played, like let's just explore other ways we can we can explore. And they've found, in my opinion, I think they've found a niche here. I mean, they you look at the the success that they've had, uh, and 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 they're 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 working on this Lord of the Rings thing now. I I think they have took they have taken uh, the like fantasy genre sci-fi genre and done very well with it right they've got the boys they've got uh the lord of the rings stuff coming they've got like i think they have found an audience found a tone that works really well with their audience for yeah and you're right for some reason amazon uh amazon um what is it called amazon prime video has I, been killing it. it like, yeah, and I should I say it. I should I should course correct because I made it sound like they're making a lot of video game content. It's not that. It's just they're making a lot of adaptation content. Yeah, because like the Reach, the the Reacher one and Lord of the Rings and these other ones, they're that's what I should say. Is they're adapting a lot of things, um, existing and things, working. and 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 making it into something very good. Yeah. So I'm. I want to be cynical about this, but. I won't be. I I feel good about my, here's it. Here's my one cynical point: is that God of War as a, as a game, that last one especially. So if this uh-huh. one goes back to Greece, yeah. and it's gonna it's gonna clean up the whole PlayStation Two era storytelling of the first three games. Uh, then fuck yeah. But the last game they they did is it is a series. It is you could just watch someone play it, and you would get the same experience so the if they are going to adapt god of war 4 if that's the direction i don't like that i don't like that i don't I want them to go to, to greece i want them to do his starting stuff i don't want them to start with the reboot stuff that would Ma- maybe each season he's tackling a new pantheon of gods uh would be fun to me i'm in for that yeah anything other than just like we're just gonna do the one that that's popular now we're going to do the his son is Loki story. We're just going to rewrite it because we've seen that happen where they did a one to one of the most recent, which the, with the Tomb Raider movies. And you know what? Those just didn't hit because I got it confused because it was literally like a remake of the game. It was so similar that the fight, the end fight was the same and everything. And I was like, my brain isn't sure which one is which. So that's what I would want them to avoid. Um, and I feel like they would end up doing that were they to adapt the the latest one. But other than that, I'm way to go. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Twitch is bleeding staff from the top down. Speaking of Amazon. Speaking of Amazon <laughs> on the other side of gaming where they're not doing quite as well. I mean, they are the only show in town, as it were. But uh, this is coming of a report in Bloomberg. The company has lost at least six of its top employees since beginning of the year. So three months over the course of the first three months. First quarter, yeah. Including the COO, the chief operating officer, the chief content officer, and the head of creator development. That's uh, those are some big wigs. Yeah. and, And the other this this article goes on to say that the exodus began last year. When more than 300 employees left and so far as 60 plus people have walked out the door this year alone. Um, what did, dude, this is I mean, it, it, it's in line with this. What are they calling it? The great leavening. What are they really calling it? I don't the know. Great resigning. 
the you know great leavening. That's too leavening. Yeah, Are we talking? It, is this like a bread situation? It's, it's bread making. Oh, it's, now it's, this. It's okay, like I didn't get it until you said stuff. that. <laughs> um. Yeah, the I don't know. They're calling it. It's like it. It's just the. It, it's a term to describe the, all the people that are. Is that what it's called? The great I don't exodus. Know. Yes, I don't know. Yes, all the people that are quitting their job because they're fucking over it, and uh, this is all part of that. And that's. I mean, I was part of that. I quit my job last year because I was fucking over it, and I think a lot of people have been part of that. Um, Jenna quit hers earlier this year because she was over it. Um, so you can bundle that all up and say, look, that's just what everyone's doing everywhere. Um, uh, this article doesn't seem to, to it doesn't, that. it doesn't like it tie is. it to that. Yes. But this is a lot. I mean, that's a lot of people. Yeah. <clears throat> head going out the door and, and okay. Whenever a lot of, a lot of big wigs are going out the door, I feel like that's a sign of, I mean, it could just be a fluke, right? But it it feels yeah. like a sign of bad times ahead that they don't want to be in on. That Dude, they you never want to be on a ship a where the captain of. is leaving. Or all the guys that are, are manning the sails are like, you know what? I'm going to go work on that other ship. Um, <laughs> a lot of this is is attributed to in this article, which I is is um, you know based on some speculation from outside people. And some internal interviews and people that they've talked to, but the 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 gist of it is that at Twitch has been um, hiring up staff like crazy to respond to its rapid growth, and in so doing, they ran out of people that are really passionate about what Twitch is doing and are qualified to help. And so, what did they start doing? Is they start looking to Silicon Valley, and once they did that, they found people that didn't really give a shit about Twitch as much as they did about improving their careers, yeah. advancing, um, making money and X, Y, or Z. And so they seem to think that the, the, the people there feel like there's, you know, that magic has been lost. You could say the same thing has been not the same thing, but there's, you know, a similar trend at blizzard where you have a magic that grew and built the studio into greatness. And then its own greatness caused it to hire a bunch of people that detracted from that. Um, that's kind of the deal here. Uh, there, there are a few quotes. Uh, well, this this is um, I, this is a quote that just sums up what I said, which is, quote, we went down to the Silicon Valley route, route hiring from Facebook, from Twitter. Um, and he added that many recruits had little understanding of gaming or live streaming and were, quote, unwilling to learn what this community was and why it was special. Well, you I mean, you hire a bunch of new people and uh expect the culture to stay the same it's just not going to if you're not harboring that culture if you just expect it to be what it is because it, you like it it's not going to happen so it seems like they just went and said let's hire a billion people they hired a bunch of people and now they're like mm, things are changing they don't like that yeah and you know i think i think the whole silicon valley thing is is a i think it's bullshit and i think it's a bullshit excuse because this made me think of um another uh, poor hiring practice in the video game industry from riot games do you remember how uh one of the responses during their lawsuit what, three plus years ago uh when they were talking about how they only hired fans very yes. hardcore fans oh, and players I forget. 
of League of Legends. Like they looked at how many hours you played the game. They looked at your character stats. They looked at those types of things. So <clears throat> there was a lot of arguments that were made that was like, that's, you know, limiting, grossly limiting your employees uh, to these this demographic of your, your gamers. And there was an argument to be made there. Well, and this it, is I talk I bring up this in that instance yeah. in a professional capacity, professional capacity on a regular basis. Interesting. Because they when we're talking diversity, because in Riot's case, they knew it was like 85 or 90 percent of their player base was male. Yep. And then they're saying we didn't have discriminatory practices. Just it's everyone that in. was interested was male. And we're like, well, that's this is why you're hiring. Anyways. Uh, I bring that up all the time because it is uh, unintended consequence. Um, and so I guess the point that I'm getting at and I'm saying is, and I know that the streaming world is just the same. It, it's very heavily uh, leans trends male in terms of especially viewership. Um, but to say like you couldn't find fans that understood your product and you had it, which they aren't saying they're they're saying that this is basically these are employees saying that higher ups took the path of least resistance. And um, they they just. This is another quote that I really like. Starting in 2017, the company began hiring people from non gaming companies like Pandora or Amazon, who often didn't even use the platform. These recruits interned hired former colleagues. So at that point, you just it just becomes a nebulous tech uh, company. It's just a tech company. Yeah. And you know what? There is a, a place for that. There is if you are in financial software, if you are in tech software, if you are in these things or I'm, I'm sorry, if you are in 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 um, like tax software, I should say there is an event management software or whatever. That's fine. Everything's the same. It all kind of blends together. Everything just looks the same or whatever. Great. Twitch is not that. Twitch doesn't even have any valid competitors. Twitch needs to be its own thing. It needs to be treated as such. And you need to hire people that understand that. And they never did. Um, they just they just hired a ton of people. This is the last quote I'll read because I really liked it. Is they spent a lot of time building buttons, but not a lot of time extending their content calendar. Whereas hmm. an entertainment company will say, let's fund musicians for 10 years. Let's get this actress to commit to three movies. They don't think of their creators that way at all. They want to pay them, of course, but they only are only if they're consistently producing content. So that was the thing is people here didn't understand what Twitch, the people that were running and have been running Twitch for the last 10 years don't understand Twitch. They don't understand the audience. They don't understand what makes it special. And they're coming from Pandora or Amazon, where the goal is to just get people to click buttons and spend money. That's the drive. But with Twitch, that's not it. The drive of the company and that's what this whole article is is pointing out and i think a lot of employees would agree is to obsessively support the content creators on twitch because they are twitch there is no twitch without them there's nothing it just else doesn't yeah. fucking exist uh so that's the thing is that like it's just like amazon supports the shit out of its but out of its sellers to the detriment of its buyers because they realize that without their their sellers, Amazon doesn't exist. But but these um, these people came in and they wanted to exploit both the audience and the content creators. They wanted content creators to spend money. They wanted everyone spending money constantly at all times. And it is uh, really caused a souring, I think, in the employment because the the employees are like at odds with because they're like, obviously, this is wrong. The employees on the ground. Um, the the employees that are like at our level 
understand this implicitly. They can see it every day. But the higher ups, they don't care and they're not listening. And so people are just leaving, including the higher ups. Anyway, interesting to see how this develops, because Twitch isn't going to go away. Twitch isn't going to go under. There is no other Twitch. So Twitch is just going to keep getting shitty. That's the future of Twitch. Someone actually made the game from the Californication music video. Dude, this is this is fantastic. You, I love this. I mean, first of all, you have to go watch the video. If you haven't seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers music video for their song Californication, that was, what was it, 2001 or something? Maybe 2001, 2000, yeah, two. Um, that was 1999. Wow. June of 99. We wow. The, the freewheeling times um there was a music video that just had the silliest graphics and it was like a fake video game throughout that was the video game would be the california video game i guess that they envisioned yeah the eyes of the red hot chili peppers and it was you were playing as the the red hot chili peppers as the yeah so this thing has just lived in people's heads i think like a fever dream for some people that aren't sure if this happened to them. <laughs> they woke up late one night and this was just like on the TV and they didn't know what it was. And then like 20 years later, they saw it on YouTube and they're like, holy shit. Wait, that was real. That's the, that was real. So that's this music video. And somebody was like, I'm going to turn that fever dream into a lucid dream. And now you can play this. The game is janky and shitty and just kind of works as well as it works because the music video was the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it I plays mean, it as well as the music video looked like it played. Like you didn't watch that music video and want to play that game. Let me tell you that you play, you watch that game and you're like, ugh, that game looks shitty. <laughs> yeah. Well, is this a B footage of uh yeah, like a, like a video game in a, in a sitcom kind of a deal. <laughs> like that's yeah. what it looked like. Yeah. Facebook gaming has become a weird, dead digital ghost town. All right. So we talked about Twitch. Yep. But you remember Facebook gaming gaming was when Microsoft rolled out Mixer and they were like, hey, we're going to have a a competitor to Twitch. And everyone's like, cool. Everyone is actually pretty bullish on on Mixer, if I remember correctly, because they're like, it's backed by Microsoft. They know what they're doing. They have a console that they can incorporate with their streaming. They paid um, for some. They paid, and for then they some brought streamers. in. Yeah, they brought in Ninja, the high, the the highest like viewed streamer in the world at the time, and they gave him like fifty million dollars to stream exclusively on Mixer. Yeah, and dude, it was like a matter of months, and it went under. And what did they say? They said everyone go to Facebook Gaming. And at the time, we thought that was a really benevolent. Uh, move that was it was like a uh, hey you know we're just we're just we're just sending all of our people over to Facebook gaming we are Microsoft and we're nothing but magnanimous so enjoy ha- turns out it was a fucking curse turns <laughs> out they put the mixer curse on Facebook gaming and Facebook gaming went on to die but it's gl- it's death has been far more ignominious it has been terrible Apparently, so this is this is based Facebook on another decided to just not kill it. Like like Microsoft was like, okay, you know what? We just need to end end this miserable life. 
Facebook is just letting this this creature turn into a golem over the years. They're just it, dude. It's just a gremlin just sitting in the basement, lapping up water. It's everywhere. They don't suck. Let's shit. put him out of its misery. We got to get rid of this thing. And he's like, just go down there with a shotgun. And Zuckerberg is like, dude, I I can't even hear the words you're saying. Um, this I love is my gremlins so much. I just, I just think they're so great. My gremlins are going to, they, what will they make the metaverse out of? If not my gremlins, <laughs> um, this, this was another report in Bloomberg and this, she, she just kind of digs into, um, a lot of the content that she was able to discover just on kind of a random sample. Uh, the number, this is a recent February morning. The number one spot on Facebook gaming was dominated by video from the military game Arma 3 billed as footage of Ukraine's invasion of uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine. (laughs) That's the number one video. Forget the Ukraine stuff. Dude, I have Arma 3. Should I do this? Arma 3 is your number one stream game. Okay, so that's cool. And then sometimes top live videos, top videos on this on this service. Uh, show Southeast Asian women selling foot callus removal kits <laughs> or diet pills with content tags like playing Grand Theft Auto 5 or playing League of Legends. Uh, some it, videos that purport to be live run for up to 11 hours with looped recorded footage. Wow. So, dude, this is the absolute, this is exactly what you imagine it to be. Mm-hmm. Anybody that's still on Facebook, God, I haven't been on Facebook in years, and I can still visualize exactly what this would look like because this is what a lot of Facebook's like experimental playgrounds looked like. Um, because Facebook, like Google, the entire corporate structure thrives on new features and people constantly like making and building new features, whether or not they're needed or wanted. Um, and this is, this is, it seems like Facebook gaming was one of those. Seems like Facebook gaming was never something they actually meant to actually invest uh, resources in moderation or anything. Um, the summary here is that this isn't attracting new streamers. All the ones that had any any amount of audiences have already left. Who wants to stream here? Who wants to set up and start shop as a new streamer on Facebook gaming? Why? So your grandma can post racist memes on your fucking video feed? What's what? what, Where's the draw there? Uh, So this 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 launched in 2018. So this has been around for four years and they did do a lot of deals with streamers. There were some as high as a million dollars that they they just threw money at it the same way that Microsoft threw money at it. Um, But what they found out, the streamers, I should say, not Facebook, because they knew this all along. The streamers found out because they looked at their streams and saw a lot of views the first couple days and thought, wow, Facebook gaming is really working well for me. But then they start going to the comments and they see comments like, what is this? And why is this on my fucking feed? And like, how do I block this? And like, which way to the Olive Garden? Because this is just showing up on random people's news feeds because that's how they're inflating. Facebook is inflating the viewership stats because no one is actually there on Facebook to watch video game streaming. So they figured, well, we're just going to make new organic audiences using our algorithms. But guys, your algorithms are sloppy and they don't fucking work for the advertisers to give you money. (laughs) You should know that well enough to not rely your own features and functionality on your own sloppy algorithms. Sorry. Um, And Facebook's whole response to this article? uh Uh-uh. That doesn't happen. 
Facebook gaming is great. You guys just don't get it. They literally He's... just said nuh-uh to all the stuff that I just outlined. They're like, that doesn't happen. Not here. There is. Nope. I did find one way to block it. So if you are still on Facebook, there is one way to block from getting these. Okay, you have to copy this word for word. It says, I do not allow Facebook <laughs> to utilize. And you have to copy and paste it. I'll send you the link. Post it on your Facebook page. Facebook. Dude, I love that shit. That mm-hmm. is exactly the audience that they were pushing this to. Yeah. And and everyone was surprised that it didn't work. Um, so, yeah, that's Facebook gaming. You guys were wondering on an update, you know, what happened to Mixer? Where did Ninja end up? Well, I'll tell you, it didn't end up on Facebook gaming. Hey, man, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. Want a video game? <laughs> Too tired, dude. What if we just, like, watch someone else play games? What do you mean? Bro, there's this awesome thing called streaming. It just lets us watch other people play video games, so we don't even need to, like, play the game anymore. No way. We just, like, watch? Yeah, bro. I don't know. Still seems like too much work. What else you got? Is there... Is there something even more, like, meaningless I can do with my time? Hey there, kids. It's me, Facebook Gaming. Uh, Facebook Gaming? What's that? Facebook Gaming is the latest, hippest trend in gaming. Do you guys remember Mixer, Microsoft's streaming platform? Do we ever? Didn't Ninja move to Mixer? He sure did. But now, according to Microsoft... Facebook Gaming is the new Mixer. Wait, so does Ninja stream on Facebook Gaming? Not even once. But that's okay, because Facebook Gaming is so much more. (laughs) Facebook Gaming? What's that? I'm so glad you asked. Have you ever felt like the time you spend gaming could be spent doing something more useless? We were just talking about that. Well then, Facebook Gaming has the answer for you. Facebook gaming? What's that? Okay, I'll tell you. Do you guys like foot callus removal videos? Uh, uh, uh... Not really. That's Facebook gaming. How about some videos about the benefits of taking daily diet pills? Bam! Facebook gaming. Oh, so Facebook gaming is just like you took all the scammy ads in my Facebook news feed... And started calling them Facebook Game. Exactly. Let's hit rewind. I know what I'm doing tonight. Hey, man. What do you want to do tonight? Uh, I don't know. Facebook Gaming? Facebook Gaming? What's up? Amazon Games is revisiting the gender-locked classes in their new MMO, Lost Ark. Okay. So this is this is a Korean MMO, if you guys remember, that has released in South Korea years and years ago. And it's been there, and it's a very Korean MMO. Um, like, Terra was another one that came out a while ago. In that, one of these, these tropes in these MMOs is, I think Guild Wars 2 
if I'm not mistaken, was another one as I don't similar know. vibes is that they have gender locked uh, player classes. So if you want to play a warrior, for example, you're probably going to be a dude. If you want to play a mage, you're going to be a woman. If you want to be a healer, you're going to be a woman. If you want to be a I just just do the stereotype yeah. in your head. Um, that's 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 what how the game works. Um, and in Korea, that was like, whatever uh, hits the shore is here. And everyone's like, hey, turns out that uh, we've been talking about gender here for a while. And uh, have some opinions about this... about about how you've uh, locked this here, yeah, <laughs> locked these classes by gender. And our uh... opinions are that this is not ideal. <laughs> well, and not only that, but it is like very tro- video game tropey in that, like nineties tropey. The, the uh, outfits available. In these classes are, I mean, you can picture it. I said that, uh, but, and you're uh, like, I know what you're talking about. The, the, the female classes, the outfits yeah. available for the female classes. For the female classes are uh, skimpy. The armor is no armor at all. Uh, and then for the males, they're like these big, bulky, tough-looking arm armor, you know, that's covering them from head to toe. And the female armor is like the higher level up, the higher level you are the more boobs you're showing or something like the less armor you need. Your full so midriff powerful, right? is like open in like, I'm a level 100. My midriff is made out of steel that you can't see or anything. It just looks sexy. <laughs> Dude, you love it though. It's so hot. It's so hot. Oh, Come man. heal me, heal me, heal me. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, this is the, so Anyway, so there there was a response because Smilegate RPG is the is the company that actually like made this game. I think Amazon is just responsible for publishing it here in the states. Um, and they did respond. The quote here's a quote from Smilegate: Classes are tied pretty closely to their character models in terms of function and animation. So bringing opposite gender characters to a class takes more work than just making a differently gendered moder- model available. That seems like bullshit. That doesn't seem to make any sense. Uh, That doesn't pass just a stiff test, but whatever. Another quote in the future, Smilegate RPG will be creating more counterparts for classes that are still gender locked. And we will bring these to Arkesia in time. So uh, basically on the gender lock classes, uh, don't expect any changes, I think was kind of the the gist. And just my last thing is, I just think uh, for the US audience, it probably is at this point a little bit jarring so when we asked Trent about it cuz he's playing it yeah he mentioned that uh his his he has a max level sorceress character and all of his outfit options are like mid-thigh summery looking dresses a summer dress well he's running raids in a summer dress that's Trent's option with his high level mage and that looks bizarre because he's running next to his example was his brother is this gig is this guy in gigantic armor <laughs> that actually looks like it's protecting him and then he's in a sundress i'm so sorry the sundress thing is killing the me. sundress he's I, in a sundress running over i just keep thinking about like how many women i know I, that just get so delighted for the summer because they gotta wear a sundress again and I'm like, this is what they thought. This is the outfit choice they thought for like a hardcore fantasy magic character is the one that like may just just sends like delights 
into people's <laughs> into people's heads like it's sundress season again like, yes finally woo-hoo! i can feel like i'm wearing that's who your character model is yeah i feel like i'm wearing light breathy clothing that's what you want when you're going into battle that's what I want to think about is like uh like a floating like a on lemonade a, a lemonade in a mason jar. <laughs> That's the fucking vibe I want. Maybe <laughs> maybe the straw is paper cuz I'm I'm economic uh, you know I'm environmentally oh, friendly. Oh yeah. Absolutely. But like that's that's Trent's character is uh ice and lemonade in a mason jar mm. sipping that on a patio and maybe there's a dog tied up nearby. And it's just really happy. And that's Trent's character. So Lost Ark does not care about this. They don't. They don't give a shit. Um, they will. They did respond to the skimpy class thing. The skimpy. I'm sorry. The skimpy ass. Whatever. Because this is kind of a twofer where it's like I want to play a mage and now I have to look at a thong woman. I guess the entire time. Um, which I don't know. Anyway, so they're not going to remove these outfits. Obviously. Yeah, because this game is really popular right now and it's clearly popular for a reason. But to appease the um, the Puritans like Trent out there that want to see <laughs> non summer dress outfits, uh, maybe like a summer uh, like is there like a longer version of a summer dress? Like yeah, a like a summer dress, like a chain mail skirt with a mm. chain mail sports bra or something like that. That's going to be yeah. their. So they're adding more options. That's their response, basically, is like, if you want to be slutty, be slutty. If you want to be practical and actually, you know, feel like your character fits the game lore where it's hitting, I don't know, a giant warthog with a hammer and it's wearing a sundress. Maybe your character can have a different uh, look. So that's going to be interesting. I think when Trent uh, is back on, we'll probably bring this back around because I want to hear more about... um, what do you think he calls her? Oh, I don't Something know. like Abigail. <laughs> Who is drinking that lemonade? Look at me. I'm Abigail. <laughs> Abigail P. She tells you her last initial. Joining its peers, Sony is being accused of having problems with sexism. <sighs> Sony. Can stop. Can everyone just stop for one fucking second? Because these are the least these I hate these. These are the stories I never, ever, ever want to do. I have no. I just feel like they're the worst. So we're just going to get through it. Eight women have added their names to this lawsuit. I think we mentioned in the past that there has just been sexist, sexist treatment um, at the gaming giant um, in that just like general discrimination. I don't think it's. The accusations are at like riot games level. No, it where it was just like, like out of control frat boy shit. This honestly seems just kind of like standard corporate uh, sexism. Am I like is be that... better? Yeah, is like what is kind of the message that I'm getting here. Like it yeah. wasn't. It's not as like it's not like Cosby sweet types of situations that I'm seeing. At least I'm not shocked to read yeah. this. I'm not like. Um, aghast this is like something i would expect from a large company uh not that it's okay or excusable um sony did respond to the initial lawsuit from a single woman saying like you didn't you don't have any proof you don't have any you don't have any uh claims or policies or incidents to cite uh so i think this is kind of funny because this is a follow-up mary harrington 
who is a who worked at Sony PlayStation and Sony Online for over 16 years, cited a, she cited a lack of women considered for senior roles during quote calibration sessions. You ever heard something more corporate than the term calibration? calibration. I know. I was like, this that sounds like so I'm getting fired. Things. If I see that show up on my calendar invite, I assume I'm getting. Fired. Oh, I'm going on to a performance improvement plan then. Yeah. And it's session. like, you got one week before we calibrate you out of this company. <laughs> if you know what I mean, we're going to do some recalibration around. And you're not going to be part of that calibration. We're going to calibrate your job. Out of the curb. Over to this other guy that we found. So she says during one session, one of these calibration sessions, uh, four, only four women were considered for promotions compared to nearly 70, 70 men. That's and not- she described hearing comments about female candidates' family lives that weren't made about male candidates, Yeah, which is all the way up there on things that infuriate me. More so that anything. that is something you hear. And uh, I mean, in my own observation, it's something that I hear from and I'll just say it from a certain demographic from men in their, you know, late 50s, 60s, men types in of the things. booming ages. Yes. So that I mean, that really is, though, stuff that I hear that they think about and they don't think they're. Anything they're, they're being saying is problematic. They're like, you know, well, oh gosh, I know she's newly married, and <laughs> oh, uh, God. and so I, she probably wants to start a family soon, or she's mentioned wanting to have kids. So we bet you know what I mean. And you're like, okay, uh, here we go. Um, so yeah, so this crazy. is it which is, is which crazy. is which is insane. Here's a perfect example of this, Peterson. You are like a single caretaker now mm-hmm. of your kids and and your wife. And uh, did anyone ever make a comment like that during your career? Like, oh, he's married and he has four kids and a wife. What happens if he has to take care of all of them at the same time? Yeah. Is he going to be okay? Nope. That's never, I've never, I've See, even heard that about a guy. But that's the thing is they're both equally, like you both have this. Ah! I get so mad about this stuff. It makes it's, me so it's, mad it, because it's on its face, illogical. Yes. And so deeply upsetting. Uh, so Sony's Sony throw it in the mix. Sorry, everybody. Sony Just, sucks. Too. I think the only thing you said, you mentioned, you know, none of it was shocking. I think the only shocking part is that, uh, they, they don't say the response to from every single company should be, you know what? We saw what's been happening in the industry over the last t- decade. Mm-hmm. We've seen this stuff coming out over the last five years. And Sony we took a good combative. look into ourselves and said, what can we be better at? And be better. Nobody's saying that. Like that's no. that's the response. I feel like we should see, and we've never seen. They're like, no. Not Sony's in- been Sony's been very combative here. They're almost like us. Wait, this happened to us too. We thought, oh man, we were. And different. they did directly crit- critique the the claimants in these cases that are filing these lawsuits. Mm. So they're, I guess, they're responding in like the old like. They're responding yeah. like it's 2014. That's like yeah. a 2014 response. Yeah, like they should just be like response. You know what? We we hear you. We hear We're you. Listening. Let's look at it. We, we want care. to look at it uh, deeper. Thank you for bringing this up. We want to be better. We want, you know, whatever. Well, to be fair, this is a lawsuit. So I think they do want to protect themselves a little bit just and not admit any not. fault or guilt. Yeah. But uh, I don't think that this is going to stop at eight. 
Um, well, that's what I'm saying, though. They shouldn't be responding to this. They should be like, that's a good point. Look they at the things we've been shut. doing over the last five years. Yep. None of them are saying that. They're all just saying, nope, not us. And they're not saying, not us. Here's why. Here's what we've done. We looked at ourselves seven years ago and said, man, we looked at ourselves two years ago and said, what can we do? No one's saying that. And that's what's yep. crazy to me. Weird. Super Nintendo World is opening next year in Hollywood. Uh, this is cool. This is actually just chum for Trent. Also, a positivity note uh, for our news. This is uh, Super Nintendo World. If you guys missed it because of uh, this pandemic that happened a couple of years ago. Uh, this did open in Japan. Super Nintendo World opened in Japan like a couple fucking years ago and has been open for years. But Japan has been like a closed off island during a zombie apocalypse. Yep. Ain't in fact, no in fact, there. my you still can't go there. My uh, my dad was going to take my son and his, and my other niece there no, this year. That's what they've been planning on. And nah. they have to push it back till next year because you can't nope. go to Japan right now. You can't nope. go. Nope. So. That might as well not exist. Yeah. Super Nintendo World uh, exists basically on another planet. Uh, if you're not Japanese, <laughs> in your mind, it it exists. Yeah, it doesn't. Forget about it. But it will uh, exist for the rest of us plague rats uh, who just banged through the pandemic like a pinball machine. Uh, you can go to Hollywood, the den of cleanliness. Universal Studios Hollywood will be adding. Super Nintendo World in 2023. No actual date given beyond the year. So now they will have, if I'm not mistaken, Simpsons, Jurassic Park, Harry Potter, Nintendo Land, and of course, the creme de la creme, fucking Waterworld. <laughs> Dude, Universal Studios Hollywood is legit. Like they've been making a theme park for like 11 to 13 year old JD. This is <laughs> hitting for me. These are all of my favorite things that I loved at that age. Except for Waterworld that I didn't even know existed because I was a fucking idiot. Stupid naive. Kid. Get out of here. A Philistine. JD. Sorry. Um, so yeah, Super Nintendo World. I'm stoked we don't know anything about it other than it's going to be sick. I got to say, I told you, I think I might have talked about it when I went to Universal Studios like two years ago, three years ago. How many years ago? I don't it know. was very pre-pandemic. Um, I think I I spit in someone's mouth. Someone may have spit in my mouth. The things we did, you know. But uh, <laughs> Lots of mouth spitting, I remember. That was like the one thing I do remember about that's this. That's all I remember. And then we stood really close uh, to each other in lines. We licked. Just like always felt someone's crotch on my lower Why back. Why was I licking my hand? I can't remember, I was like, but I was. What was I licking? I was. <laughs> what was I licking? No, so I remember going to Universal Studios a couple of years ago, and it was like ungodly expensive. I think it was $140 for an admission ticket. Yeah, which it's is expensive. obscene. And I went there to do the Harry Potter thing. And then I saw Waterworld and whatever. And I got to say, man, it was kind of fucking worth it. I don't like Disneyland. I think Disneyland is such a, a just a shady way to just bilk money out of people. Uh, but Universal Studios kind of delivered for me on a theme park experience. 
and I walked into Harry Potter land and like my jaw dropped. It yep. felt like fucking the movies. Like I was in it for half a second. And then I'm like, oh, it's 70 degrees in L.A. But it's cool. Um, and I think they will do a really good job with this. That's what I'm building at is I think if it was like, yeah. do you want Disney to do this or do you want uh, Universal Studios to do this? I'd be like, well, honestly, I want Lagoon to do it. But if it's got to be somebody, <laughs> no, I do not want Lagoon to do this. <laughs> I, it would be so like jankety, so trashy. <laughs> it would be the trashiest full of fourteen-year-olds working there. Fourteen-year-olds <laughs> just in the over in the bushes doing God knows what. How are they doing that and smoking cigarettes at just the same time? I don't know. Masturbating constantly <laughs> over <laughs> overlooking the bushes at Laguna Beach. <laughs> Mario's Mario's got a cigarette. He's got his he's got his head lifted up, and he's just some guy smoking a cigarette under there. He's not even on break, dude. He's in the middle of the park. He is getting paid for this. <laughs> he got he got the princesses up up on the on the ski lift, just spitting on people. <laughs> Dude, I've never wanted anything more than Nintendo Land by Lagoon. <laughs> the trashiest place on earth. Yoshi's just some kid painted green walking around. <laughs> Multiple kids painted green. So many kids they just spray painted. Is this safe for me? Probably not. It's fine. It's fine. You You're probably going to quit in a couple weeks anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Nintendo. <laughs> Real super. We t- we, <laughs> we took our inspiration from Super Mario Two, so oh, it's dude, not going to be. They based the, the whole park on the movie. <laughs> the Leguizamo one. <laughs> it was it was the only live action inspiration we had. Material. Oh, the Goombas look like the guys in the fucking movies. And there's so many of them in the park. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is so upsetting. (laughs) What are we doing? What's what's happening? Let's do kudos. 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 All right, kudos is our positivity segment. Usually, things don't end on such a positive note in the news, and we have to bring them back up. But in the in the meantime, we're going to do kudos anyway. We're going to pull it down, actually, just a little pull bit. It down. Oh, I want to give another kudos to Peacock, but I won't. All right, Peterson, do you have some kudos? Yes, yes. I finally got to watch West Side Story, the the remake, uh, the version Steven Spielberg. <laughs> just made uh released it in december of last year um i i didn't get a chance december was a little crazy for us so didn't get a chance to go see it in the theater well it is on disney plus now and so i watched it i finally watched it it had gotten great reviews so i was excited to watch it and it's good it's very good if you ever watched the old one i feel like i used to watch it in school a lot i don't know why because our education system sucks. They were just like, because uh, I actually, what I've learned now is the teacher was probably hung over. And yeah. so they were like, oh, I'm just going to put on a movie because I feel like I watched West Side Story 
15 times in elementary school. You know, we watched a lot. It was October Sky. We watched that in physics class. We watched that in history class. Yeah. We watched that in sex head class. We watched yes. that in health class because the teacher gets Parkinson's or some shit. Yeah. Lou so, Gehrig's. That's what she gets. So you, this was because your teacher was uh, hungover or something like that. So um, so I'm we watched West Side World. Story a lot. And so I, I got to watch the new one. It was very well done. There was no Russell Crowe. Uh, if you remember, there was no singing like this. <laughs> yeah. Everyone sang really well in the Lame Is remake, except Russell Crowe would come in, and, and he sang exclusively through his sinuses. And every number was terrible. It was every distractingly time you in, bad. You were like, "No, Dude, no." Lame Is is awesome. It's my favorite musical, and the that production was pretty decent, and. He single-handedly ruined it. I've never rewatched it again. I yeah, every time it is jarring I can't believe they how bad him. he is. I cannot believe they picked him. I can't either. Okay, you need him to bash someone's face in with a hotel phone. Russell Crowe is your fucking guy. Need someone to Singing? sing? Uh-uh. Don't know. There's a lot of other nope. people who can nope. sing. Not that guy. Um, anyways, there was no crow in this movie. Yes. Uh West Side Story. All of the actors were fantastic. Uh, they all did so so so. Some of them, it was like their acting debut in like a major film, um, and they were really wonderful. It all the songs were well done. The acting was great. It was a lot of fun. The sets looked good. I mean, honestly, impressive. So fun to watch. It, of course, the songs hold up, and it kind of just brings back some of the nostalgia. Um, if you haven't, if you aren't familiar with West Side Story, where have you been? No, if you ha- aren't familiar with West Side Story, it will st- you'll still enjoy it. Um, How do you kids... understand Gangland America if you if you're not familiar with this story? Honestly, yeah, this, yeah, really. <laughs> um, gotcha. And so, yeah, my kids enjoyed it, and they had never seen the old one. So, uh, and actually, this one's a little bit better because I would say the Puerto Ricans look a little bit. Mo- bit more puerto rican uh in the old one if you go and look at pictures jd you should just go look it up you'll be like i'm pretty sure they painted that guy's face a darker shade like 90 oh, no. percent sure on the old one uh this one it, very good very good the actors are hispanic and uh and they've got you know they do really well so anyways west side story the one from 2021 directed by Steven Spielberg. Definitely watch it. It's on Disney Plus. I can't recommend it enough. I loved it. It's kind of a shitty thing. Spielberg is just remaking classics. Well, it's just like, is he not even trying anymore? He's like, oh, you know, it'll be a real classic, a remake of a classic. That's a classic Spielberg classic. <laughs> you got it. It's going to be so good. You're going to love this. Next thing I'm going to make close encounters of the third time. You'll never see it coming. <laughs> um, so I have a quick kudos for the uh, most recent season of Marvelous Miss Maisel on Amazon Prime Video. This is a series I've talked about before. It is about a uh, Jewish woman in the 60s who does stand-up comedy in New York and all the crazy shit that happens um, throughout her life. In the last season, the most recent season, four has been awesome so far. I don't think the fans have liked it, but they're all stupid and wrong, and you agree with me. So Wow, okay. It's good. You like it. 
is this uh, segment where we play a fun game. Guys, I got a new one for us. Found this thing online on the internet called randomlists.com, which is kind of cool. And it gives you a random list of things. And if you go to randomlist.com slash random dash video dash games, <laughs> um, it just gives you eight random video games. Just eight random games. So this is going to be a wellspring of of content for us um, that takes no work from us. We're really stoked about it. No so, prep work. No prep work at all. Lots wow. of uh, heavy improv work, though. So you're all welcome. Not our best work. So we'll see what happens here. We are basically Robin Williams. Um, <laughs> here we go. So for Radier Games, because we were just talking about Super Nintendo World, and that's kind of where my head was at. And we thought Trent was going to be on. And amusement parks are like, Part of Trent's DNA. He loves um, them. God, he loves amusement parks. Yeah, he really does. I don't blame him, but you know, they can't all be Lagoon. So uh season pass holder. Season pass holder. I don't know if I've said this or or maybe if you guys are new. I just want to put this out there because I'd like to make it stated as often as I can. I think Lagoon is superior to Disneyland in every way. There, I got that out of the way. All right, so okay. our reindeer games Hot this take. week is a uh, we're gonna roll a random list of games, and then I'm your whoever rolls whoever's up or whatever is going to pick a game out of that eight, whatever they think is best, uh, to make an amusement park out of. Okay, out of that game, name some rides, figure it out. We'll figure that out. Okay, uh, Peterson, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll hit one. Just tell me to stop. Say stop. Stop. Okay. Okay, wow. This is uh okay, the first one is FIFA 16. <laughs> don't don't want to go to that. Don't want to go to that amusement park. <clears throat> Never okay. in a million years. So, <clears throat> The Witcher 3: The Wild Hunt is on here. That doesn't sound like a good amusement park either. It does. It sounds like a great amusement park. It sounds, it sounds like, like an, a game reserve. You just go and just shoot things and kill things. It's an amusement park in Eastern Europe for oh, sure. Dear. Oh, because otherwise this doesn't hold up. Yeah, sure. Because <laughs> you're funny. like, oh, is why why are there uh there's too many naked people um at this amusement park. And um a lot of the attractions <laughs> it's not even good naked, it's just weird naked. Oh, yeah. If you've seen The Witcher, there's some weird naked on there. <laughs> um yeah, so a lot of off-putting, uh off-putting attractions. Uh, let's see. The Wild Hunt would be one attraction. Oh, uh, so and, guys in flaming horses just like chase you down and you just run. <laughs> so you go and you pay for the Wild Hunt package at the front, and then you have Not your cheap. own uh specific Wild Hunt assigned to you, and they will show up periodically, and you just have to run from them. Yeah, this low key does sound kind of cool. I gotta say, I, I will say the 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 videos you see that show up on like TikTok or whatever of uh, the stormtroopers and shit at Star Wars Land. Yeah, and all the role playing that the kids and stuff do. Yeah, 
That is really cool. And now that you're describing this, I'm like, I guess you could kind of do this. Just everyone's going to dress up like Geralt because they're like, who else am I, am I going to dress up as? I don't know what else to be. So I like a bunch of little kids agrees, with white wigs. Yeah, if everyone agrees to like play along with this, this though, I think it could go really well. Okay, so you tell me okay. when to stop. Okay, stop. Okay, let's see. I can do... Uh... Well, I've got a couple good ones. <clears throat> I got Rocket League. Okay. Rocket I mean, League. Just, basically, I just want Rocket League to be real. Just make Rocket League. Uh, <laughs> there's definitely some waivers that you have to sign coming into it. But uh, I'm afraid uh, out of all of these, I got to go with the original Resident Evil here. As an um, amusement park? Dude, okay, this, this actually, is... it's an amusement park horror slash uh, horror. Haunted house. Haunted this house. Is, this is an October specific. No, dude, I want this to be like a permanent thing, because if Mm. you made a permanent fixture uh, and the fun thing that I like about this, the reason it jumped out is, do you remember uh, the camera in the original Resident Evil, like how the game worked? So in Resident Evil, if you guys go Google the original one and the, the, the gameplay, it's a fixed camera. So you're in a room and your character can move around that room in like a 3D space but the room doesn't move the camera doesn't move and if you like walk into a door it's going to go through a door animation and then you're going to be in a hallway and you have to walk the length of the hallway to the end of the door and then you hit the door and there's a door animation and then you you hit it so there it's set pieces is what i'm getting at and you could have a lot of really cool set pieces because resident evil is set in a mansion so peterson what i'm describing is a haunted house that takes you like two hours to run through Okay, so like a extended haunted house, huge, like a haunted. It's mansion. a haunted like experience. Haunted experience, yeah. There you go. Like you go, we take it. We've taken a whole mansion because we finally managed to eat all the rich people, and we took one of their mansions and we just turned it oh. into what? So this is a this is getting darker. <laughs> uh, we turn it into a haunted house. <laughs> That you just go okay, through so the whole thing. So we find a mansion, we murder the actual. Like I'm not. I'm talking actually kill the inhabitants. Yeah, and yeah, then we. It's not it haunted if no one's died yet. Oh yeah. So, Who's oh, haunting it if everyone's I, alive? Got Peterson. It, got it. Okay. What you, do you even know how ghosts work? Is it called Resident Evil or can we call it Raccoon City? Um. And who is the? Is there an existing company like Universal who makes this, or is this just you know, its own thing? Since it's a mansion, and since we're kind of like it's like a home, and it's mm-hmm. somebody's home, we're gonna actually go with Residence Evil. <laughs> I don't like this. All okay, right, I'm gonna do a start re-roll. rolling. Start rolling. Okay, so stop. All right, stop. Okay, Stardew Valley. Oh, baby. So it's just a farm. You're just going to put me on a farm, and that's the amusement as I just work. It's st- <laughs> Yeah. So Stardew this Valley great. is essentially like a petting zoo. You just go Two-way there. petting zoo? Yeah. <laughs> Two-way petting zoo. You pet the animals. The animals pet you. Okay, you back. Um, <laughs> no, the, actually, I think this... If, I feel like this exists. Do you know when you go and visit, like, those farms that are open up for tourists, and you can go and, like, oh, here you go. Walk out into the field and go pick yeah, a... Yeah, it's only kind of depressing, yeah. Pick a strawberry, and then there's a bunch of sad animals. Um, yeah, so this does exist, except for there is a couple rides, like maybe a cave ride, where it pulls you through, like, 
uh, one you're of just the describing a state fair. You are literally describing a state fair or like a pick your own pumpkin patch. Fine, right now. let's do a re-roll. Stardew Valley's not a good one. <laughs> Here, no, I'm gonna go. You tell me when to stop. Stop. All right, so we got two Borderlands games. So Bord- those no, aren't, I don't want them. That's not gonna happen. I've never heard of Grim Fandango. Oh, I've heard of Grim Fandango. I don't know what it is. You know anything about? Uh, it. There's also Sonic and Knuckles, which is kind of appealing because it fits the vibe of like a. A Mario Land and a Sonic Land with like if you had a bunch of ramps and stuff could be fun, but no because I got to go with Double Dragon Land. <gasps> Double Dragon Land. Okay, this is okay. This is made by Universal. I feel like this is a section in Universal. It's just mm-hmm. like a street, a kind of a, like I picture. I'm picturing like a use. It's like a surge commercial. <laughs> that's the that's the vibe. I I'm picturing like. A U-shaped street, and it's all double dragon. So mm-hmm. it looks like you're in like a Yakuza and- run uh, Japan, but it's all like a on the docks type of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? And the the food there, you can get either a cheeseburger or a, an entire turkey <laughs> a on full a plate. Turkey. Well, they'll do the little ones. They'll be like a turkey. little Cornish game hen. Yeah, Cornish game hen or right. a burger or an apple. And you're like, those are the three options. They're like, that is what we serve okay, at our but cafeteria. They, okay, come on. But they serve it under a barrel that you, you have smash. To find them. Hey, I haven't even gotten, dude, I haven't even gotten to the garbage cans yet. Because th- that's like the third feature. But the, the, the second feature is that at any given moment while you're walking down the street, a woman in high heels, in, in like stiletto high heels and a bikini can run up and just whip you in the fucking face. Just so hard with a whip. And you're like, a whip? A whip? Dude, they sell, they have little booths that sell candy whips. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm in for Double Dragon Land. And then sometimes people are just, they will pick up a garbage can and throw it at you and it rolls towards you and trips you. Yeah, there's, but, but you can find, like we said, you can find an app. No, dude, that's one of the, that's one of the attractions. It's like, a, it's like a fun house. Yeah. And there's like, you know, the, you know, like some fun houses, the floors move. This mm-hmm. one has like foam, trash cans that will roll and you have to like dodge them and then there'll be like a little foam width that comes out and you're like a dodging it right dude and now i'm realizing you could set this up uh to be a moving the entire land or whatever could be set on a moving sidewalk oh like the God. whole street you don't stop a moving sidewalk that's like a street wide and so it would cycle everyone through it so you'd go through like the level mm. and you get to the end and it'd be like you know there'd be a pile of garbage at the end there. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, there's obvious piles of garbage and crates and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I mean, your whole that. foam description. That's what I'm describing. I'm, I'm envisioning a 200 foot long, 20 foot wide moving staircase with sets on either side, street sets or, or dock sets on either side. And then just so much foam based, like foam looking. Yeah. Stuff that are like coming props, like a foam dumpster that you can throw someone in. You know, that Japanese uh, game show. What was it called? Wipeout, dude. No, what? Not that one. But the one where they had to climb up the mountain and the boulders would roll down. Oh, you know, I'm talking about. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Something's mystery. I can't remember. It was kind of wacky. I'm picturing kind of like that, but not going up a mountain. Like every now and then someone will just chuck like a foam something out a yeah. window you know and you're like picking them up and throwing foam stuff back and you're and fighting like, you'll find because some... you gotta you gotta fight people before you get to the end of the, the moving sidewalk yeah it's all like a, it's all like oh lots of uh what's that called lots of larping 
but like gang member LARPing, not uh not uh like medieval LARPing. It's like, you know, gang members throwing like bats and stuff. Okay. Well, oh, this is my that's thinking... my favorite one so far. Yeah, I'm actually thinking we could bl- expand our moving sidewalk 2D game amusement park concept. We'd go wide with this thing. Yeah, I'm in for that. I, you I could do like a Mario this. skin on it. You could do a, a Sonic skin. Dude, you could do a Sonic skin on it. Yeah, you can do it. That one just moves skin. really fast. The sidewalks. Yeah. The sidewalks, like, dangerously fast. So Sonic actually has been shut down. The Sonic ride has been shut down. The Metroid was... ride never worked because you started to go to the right, and then everyone's like, wait, reverse it. We got to no. go back to the left. <laughs> reverse moving, the bite. Reverse it. Back. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, wait, I thought there's another room. Go the other way. I'm so sorry. I forgot the other room. Uh, do you want to do one more? Uh, dude, I just rolled one that I thought was pretty cool. Okay, what is it? Pokemon. Okay, Pokemon. I how want, is that, How did is, Pokemon World not beat Nintendo World to the punch is what I want to know. I don't know. It feels like Pokemon World would be a lot of fun. Or like there would like the rides would be a lot of fun. You know how there's like the Buzz Lightyear ride at Disneyland where you're like shooting things and you get a score. Yeah. Dude, just like you, you get like you're Pokeballs. Just like shooting Pokemon. No, you're just you, like trying to yes, kill them all. You've got a big gun and you're shooting. It's just like a Pokemon range. Oh, the cute Pokemon only, though. No, the Dude, main can you ride. Imagine the Poke stop, the Pokemon Go stops. Oh my gosh, it would be insane. But the main ride is like a, it's a small world type of thing where you don't do anything but just sit on a little boat and watch and a little Pokemon. And stare at your phone the whole time. You just watch little Pokemon. Oh, is the ride over? I don't pay attention. <laughs> this is so long, and there's only so one boring. song playing the whole time, and it's kind of freaking unsettling. Pokemon, honestly. gotta catch him all. It's, it's a small the whole Pokemon. Time. No, I hate that song. It's freaking. Okay, now Pokemon. This is why they have not made Pokemon Land. Uh, it is actually kind of a nightmare. What kind of food do they set- serve at Pokeland? <laughs> We should see if the Lagoon people have considered it. Have you guys thought about franchising to Pokemon? Like really <laughs> Pokemon buying Lagoon that IP? Could be really cool. What kind of food would they serve at Pokemon Land? Dude, what about a Sonic what about a Sonic the Hedgehog water park? Okay. Then you then you could like really <clears throat> Well, I think no. Well, hold on. I feel like Sonic the Hedgehog just works as rides in general. Just the rides that you were strapped into. Well, like any ride. Yeah. Like water. You do the green water park zone, stuff. You do the chemical plant. Dude, and like any roller coaster would be perfect because it would just be like fast roller coasters. Lots of Sonic sounds. Ding, 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 ding. ding like getting rings and that sort of thing. Oh, I just yeah. feel like Sonic would be more like, uh, did you ever go to Knott's Berry Farm? No, the rides are dope. The rides are a little fat, it kind of like the uh, like the more adult section of Universal, like with the Hulk ride and stuff like that, where the rides are pretty intense. Yeah, I feel like you could really get away with a lot of Sonic the Hedgehog content with loops. They should just speed. have one. How is there not a Sonic the Hedgehog roller coaster? There's never been that. There has to be roller coaster. That seems like a no brainer. So- spinning. Yeah, Spinball Wizard is a spinning. Tate Peterson, Adventureland. Wait, Peter, hey Peterson, where do you think Spinball Wizard is located? Where, where, where possibly could Spinball Wizard 
have been have been located. So if I was to guess, Staffordshire, England. Oh, at at the Adventureland area of Alton Towers in Staffordshire. No, everybody, everybody, hop on down and and pop on the Spinball Wizard, and you can be just like Sonic the Hedgehog Man. No, I don't like this. Why is it called the Spinball Wizard? Spin That's the stupidest wizard. name I've its ever top heard. Speed is, its top speed is 37 miles an hour. Its top speed is a su- survivable accident on a motorcycle. <laughs> no, this is kidding me? They have really screwed the, the pooch on this one. Spinball Wizard. And have you seen the pictures of it? Yes. It looks like neither a spinball nor a wizard. Dude, what's a wizard? A wizard? You know. Is you he? Know. Are, you You know. <laughs> Is there a lot of urination on this ride? What is that? You will piss yourself. You'll be so fucking bored on the spinball wizard. You'll be wondering why isn't it spinning? This why doesn't it spin a single fucking time? No. Oh shit, I whizzed myself. This is this ride is a mistake. It's the magic of the spinball wizard. (laughs) I hate this ride. I hate everything about it. But what if this what if a sonic roller coaster had a mechanism? You know how some where have them where like it'll spin in a circle. What mm-hmm. if your actual cart would spin in a wheel type of situation? And it gave as, you like a Flintstones power way to do it. As like you, you used your legs. <laughs> Dude, that would be fun. <laughs> Crazy. Okay, I think we are at the bottom of yes. the barrel here because I was just thinking, how do I get Peterson to bite on a water world water park ride? Dude, you uh, don't have, I'm in. Waterworld. I'm always in could, for Waterworld. You could be the the, the catamaran and the the. Uh, look, I'm always in on Waterworld. I'm, I don't I'm care what it man. is. I want you to know I, I love Waterworld. I have much seen you do. that movie way too many times. Is it my... one once is one? To, it's way too many times. No, you only you didn't watch it in your youth. I bet you I bet I've seen this movie twenty times <laughs> at least. I wish this movie had found me in my youth. It was part I feel of my like childhood. I would have grown into a better person. You would have. That's true. <laughs> dice, dice, dice of destiny. All right, Dice of Destiny is this fun game we play at the end of every episode. We roll a six-sided dice to see who's responsible for rolling the Dice of Destiny, a 20-sided dice with 20 different game genres assigned to it. Finally, we roll a six-sided dice to see how much money that person can spend on their Dice of Destiny pick. They find a game in that price for that in that genre. They pick it, play it, review it. Last week, uh, I gave this whole spiel and then was duped. Okay. Just okay. Duped chill. by my own okay. producer. Okay, just relax. Okay, it was an looking accident. like an asshole on live podcast television. That didn't make any sense. Okay, it's not live. <laughs> it's not television. But yeah, you, and? Did, you did look stupid. That's true. <laughs> I guess there's that. So Aaron did pick a game. He did pick a game this time, and we've got a voicemail for him. Hey everybody, it's Aaron. Hey, I rolled a uh, 2D game, uh, you know, the other week. Um, I forget what week it was. It was like a couple weeks ago, maybe three weeks, four weeks. I don't know. Uh, I, I blame Peterson for everything. Anyway, so I rolled a 2D game, and the game I chose is Core Keeper. It just came out by Pugstorm, published by Fireshine Games, and stay tuned next week for the review. So Aaron picked Core Keeper. Have you heard of this game? Core Keeper. 
Yeah, if you read... Nope. The, sounds dope. If you read the voicemail transcription, he says, I picked Corky, Corky, Core Keeper, and it says Corky Purr. I don't know what that is. Killing it, Google. Corky. <gasps> this looks like uh, this looks like Undermine kind of. What is yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this game is new, Sandbox and it has popped up a hundred times on my. It's like, hey, this seems like a game you would like. It is a uh, early access online co-op pixel graphics two D um, adventure type of game. Uh, let's see. It says mine, build, fight, craft, and farm to unravel the mystery of the ancient core. Have, does it, does Steam tell you? Does does anyone give you an indication of a game that it might be like that it's similar to? I can't uh, really gather that yes. from the uh, descriptions. Yes, yes, yes. So hold on. It says, let me see. Is it kind of like a survival? More like this: Starbound, Stardew Valley. Oh, okay. Uh, Forager. Stardew Valley type of game. Yeah, it looks like more combat than Stardew Valley. Yeah, it does look like a decent amount. This is a, it's like a top-down pixel kind mm-hmm. of graphics game. Um, it does feel, it does look a lot like Stardew Valley. It's a lot like, like the it. aesthetic looks like Stardew Valley. Yeah, the pixel. The, I don't know how else to describe it. It looks um, darker than that though. But uh, this is currently ten uh, percent off on Steam, and even out without ten percent off, it's thirteen dollars. Yeah, actually, I've thought about getting this game several this times. Is, this is the quintessential Dice of Destiny pick right here. Mm-hmm. Aaron fucking gets it. This is this is why we have the game. Like you said, this is something you've been looking at. It's been on your radar, it keeps popping up, and Dice of Destiny comes along and it forces your hand. This is so cool. I'm so excited to hear his review on this. Same. Okay, so I hope we'll have Aaron on next week. Um, tell us more about Core Keeper. Uh, Corky, Corky Purr. And when was the last time any of you watched Corky Romano? All right. On that note, we've got some music <laughs> from the theme from Corky Romano. The theme music from, from Does Corky Romano have a score? <laughs> okay. Who was the score for Corky Romano? Why? Oh man. Uh, I don't know. We may be playing the music, the mountain theme music from um from Valheim, or we could be playing some song that Peterson found uh, from the Corky Romano soundtrack. The Corky Romano soundtrack. Oh, God. Dude, they don't even have someone like on IMDb credited as like (laughs) the sound designer. Like the music, like the, the, like Chris Catan did the sound for this movie. It's all done by his mouth. You just made it. Yeah, just sound effects. He's like, whatever, I'll figure it out. Okay, guys. Well, on that note, go see Corky Romano, um, 2001's favorite song. <laughs> I'm JD, logging off. This is Peterson going AFK. Peterson Productions. Oh, yeah.